Some of the content of Patriots Unfiltered may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world's original podcast. Welcome to Patriots Unfiltered. I'll bring some food over and entertain her baby daddy. That's a big question in my house is what's the food going to be? I think. Um, oh, I thought it was who's the baby daddy. <laughs> I have pure joy being out on the tennis court. You know? I get that. The smell of the balls. Yeah, it's just to be said in a long flight of taking your shoes off. Because your feet do, like, swell up a little. When do you, you do that? I'll take my shoes off. Wow. You're getting the, uh, I don't you're, have you're getting the visual finger yeah. whack from See, Alex. I right I'm now. just intrigued. I, I think, Alex, <laughs> I, I think you'd like my feet, by the way. <laughs> okay. I told Paul, I, there was there's somebody crammed in between, and I, I zoomed in on the legs. Didn't look like Paul's legs. Not that I studied Do you imagine legs. he said that to me? I, I zoomed in on the legs. It didn't look like you were legs. Right. At least Fred looked at the sneakers to see if you could recognize the Sneakers, right, which know. is what I did. Deuce has always been a yeah. leg guy, anyway. Know, that's yeah. 100% Are those Paul's true. Cats? 100%. I don't know. He, he likes like Paul's cats. He likes those games. <laughs> well, that was. I do work in the wine industry. Do you guys have any other questions? Are you familiar yeah. with Bledsoe's Vineyard? What about Stag's Leap, Artemis? Stag's Leap, uh, wine cellars, or vineyard? Uh, I don't know. This is Patriots Unfiltered, fueled by Duncan. Patriots Unfiltered! All right, we're here, Patriots Unfiltered. That's right, folks. Fred is out this week. He is in sunny Aruba. So you're stuck with uh, me, Deuce, and joined, of course, Paul Perillo, Alex Francisco, and Evan Lazar. We got the fearsome foursome here today. And, of course, guys, we got a, a big game, a big game to talk about here. Northeastern winning the bean pot. That's uh, <laughs> all anyone's been talking and about. Celebrating here, Paul, like um, they had just won the Stanley Cup. <laughs> it's a climatic, though, with the, the shootout. I wasn't real happy with right? that. But, you know, four out of five. What are you going to do? And it's Drew Bledsoe's birthday today, Paul. It it's is. kind of a little Perillo holiday today. It is. A little bit of, uh, you must be feeling good today. I was. I was I was very happy last night. <laughs> I kid, of Celebrating course. while trying not to wake Beth up. <laughs> little fist pump. You know? She had to work today, so you know, me and the boys were, uh, were celebrating quietly. It's not the same as watching an endless overtime that you don't know when it might happen, especially. I mean, I'm sure you've stayed up for some bean pots on Monday nights and, and that go to overtime, and you're like, I could be up till yeah, 2. Yeah, those don't usually end well, though. No, no not for you. <laughs> this one ended well. <laughs> the shootout. So uh, so we're here talking some pats. We're now officially on the offseason, of course. We're going to talk about the Super Bowl and Kansas City Chiefs getting their second title in four years, and... Uh, I guess I'll just say it off the top. I mean, I'm just I, I, I gotta I said I think going out of our show on Thursday, if the Chiefs win it's gonna be because of Patrick Mahomes playing out of his mind. That second half he played out of his mind. He just I think showed why he is the best quarterback in the game right now and Andy Reid deservedly getting a lot of credit too. I mean just you know, just seeing it, the pieces that they did it with. I mean, and I, I even think I brought up Pacheco, but like that guy runs like a maniac. He had some big runs, but but they did it, you know, kind of the old fashioned way. Of course they had Kelsey, but just credit to, to Reed and, and, and what he did to kind of counter the Eagles there in the second half. I, I know some big moments we can get into, but that was just my big takeaway was, was wow, Patrick Mahomes, and, you know, congratulations to the Chiefs. Sorry sorry if that, you know, irks some of our I'm Patriot sure fans. <laughs> I touched on that this weekend with Andy, too. We've been talking a little bit about that. But, um, you know, at this point, how do you, how do you deny it? They, they're just so they're awesome. I'll, I'll let, you know, Evan and Alex t- uh, talk about the game itself. Just a quick aside on that topic. I had uh, a guy I used to work with. Uh, had this long thing on Facebook where he said, you know, this whole idea that Patriots fans are rooting against Kansas City is BS. And, you know, I I, I don't like Kansas City because I I think they have a lot of bad guys. And that's why I I root for Cincinnati because I like Joe Burrow. (laughs) (laughs) To which I immediately responded, I go, Joe Mixon, he's a guy really (laughs) worth getting behind. Really upstanding citizen. 
I said, just admit it. And he's like, why you got to tell me what I root for? Oh, no. <laughs> he got all mad at me. Oh, no. It's a guy I used to work Don't with. Don't tell me how to be a fan. <laughs> oh, that's, that's basically what he said to me. And I was like, yeah, okay, whatever makes you sleep better at night. I don't like Kansas City. Uh, you can just to follow it up with I root for Cincinnati like any other team you could have said because Joe Burrow you know as if he was going to have people not like me they were waiting for like oh yeah Aaron Hernandez yeah. <laughs> there you go man every team every team's got them every but, team oh, has them but how does that color what team you root for or not I don't eh, know. anyway that was just the ridiculous what do you, you guys think yeah what do you think of the game of I think that everybody's getting their flowers that deserves their flowers. Patrick Mahomes, yeah. Andy Reid, even a few, you know, Nick Bolton on defense for the Chiefs had a great Almost game. Almost had two touchdowns, right? But <laughs> I, I want to give some credit to the GM, Brett Veach, too, because they trade Tyree Kill. Everybody's thinking this offense is going to take a huge step back without Hill. And I think that in some ways their ceiling maybe wasn't quite as high offensively without him there. But I, I think what, he did, what they did was they – didn't just replace Tyreek Hill with one person, right? They went out and they signed a bunch of different guys. They drafted Sky Moore in the second round. They drafted Pacheco on day three. They signed MVS. They signed Juju Smith-Schuster. And, and I think that there's something to be said for the fact that when you have a great quarterback, it's kind of like how the Patriots were built for years. Season threes? When you have a great quarterback like that and you have one guy in Travis Kelsey in That's the passing one. game like the Patriots had with Gronkowski. I know they had Edelman too, but a lot of these other guys are the Chris Hogan's, are the Brandon Lloyd's, are are these other complementary pieces. And I thought that I they have a book now out there for you to if you have the quarterback, which is obviously a big if, but they have a book out there now where it says uh, depth matters. Like you can build a team through depth at the skill positions as long as you have a great quarterback and one great weapon like Kelsey, then you can go ahead and build out uh, the depth of the group. And I, it, it does remind me offensively of how the 2010s Patriots were built. You know, with Gronkowski being the the coverage, de- you know, the guy that demands the coverage and the game plan guy. And, but then you just have kind of reliable players in all the other positions and. I think it made Patrick Mahomes in some ways better because he had to spread the ball around and be more of a efficient quarterback versus just looking for the big plays all the time. I think that last part is the most important for Mahomes. I, I think Kansas City's offense got a little bit stale last year, as great as Tyreek Hill is. And I'm not telling you he's overrated. He's not. He's great. Um, but I think that too often he just sort of dropped back and relied on, I'm just going to huck it down the field and Tyreek Hill is going to make a play. That's how their season ended, if you recall. Uh, in that overtime loss to Cincinnati was a pick on a on a heave downfield to Tyree Kill that Hill didn't really do and I think it was Tyree Kill that he was throwing to on that play. Um, <laughs> the fact, we'll, we'll don't let the fact don't let was. the facts get in the way if it wasn't. Um, but I just uh, I think that it kind of I think it dovetailed into the way you know that whole thing that people talked about defense has changed this year and did a yeah. better job of you know kind of keeping things in front with the two high looks and yeah. I don't know how valid that is and how much that sort of got into the narrative but I think it played right into the way Kansas City had to play because they didn't have those electric guys that that could get downfield as often. And then even to feed into that Vic Fangio comes in on what like a two-day contract with the Eagles with that that's his exact thing like trying to bring that to the table which you know I thought was was funny there was some debate going on with that Um, and it worked perfectly for Mahomes in the Super Bowl because the one thing that we all talked about why I know that's why I picked Philadelphia I thought that defensive line would wreak havoc not one (laughs) Kansas City just said (laughs) we ain't gonna let you get anywhere near us we're gonna throw the ball short quick you're gonna get get it out 
We're going to be efficient in the passing game, and you're not your pass rush is not going to dominate this game. Whereas I think if you still had Tyreek Hill and you're looking to make plays downfield, you're going to roll the dice on some of those plays. They never did that. They never got close, yeah, really. The Eagles led the league this year, I believe, in quarters coverage, right? Two high safeties, four guys across the back end, and that was the Vic Fangio system. It's all this quarters coverage, match quarters, things like that. And uh, Kansas City, on, on top of throwing some of the stuff underneath in the quick game stuff and dominating the middle of the field. They also have Pacheco now to run the football a little bit against those lighter boxes. And I, I really think that that played a factor in, in the way that the Eagles were able to defend them too. So it was a bad matchup. It ended up playing out this way, but I think even beforehand going in, it was sort of a bad matchup in a, in a lot of ways for the Eagles defense, just because of the way that the chiefs can now be balanced and sort of beat you in a multitude of different ways and not just chucking yeah. the football down the field. The chiefs now Patrick Mahomes is, you know, average depth of target air yards, all that kind of stuff is nowhere near as high as what it used to be with Tyree kill. So they're not a chuck it team anymore. No. They are an efficient offense and it was, it was sort of a bad matchup for that Eagles defense. But I would also be remiss without mentioning the field conditions like, Oof. 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 That to me, the call at the end of the game, the punt I, I think is it gets amplified because of the narratives around officiating right now because of the moment that the call was made in. But the real disservice to the game was the field conditions. I mean, that was a slip and slide for most of that game. And to have the biggest game in the world be played on an ice rink is just – it's. It's a bad look. It's really a bad look for I, the league. I think I saw some of the footage on the punt return that you know near the end with Tony and like just it was like everybody at once, like everybody was on ice. It was there's uh, a montage video going around. <laughs> really? That's so bad. Yeah, the cutting edge. Uh, but why? Why is it so bad? I mean, I everybody talks start, about how great the grass is the there, grass out like two and they years can put it outside, too. right? Like they wheel it out. It gets real oh, sunlight. Yeah. Like what? Like it's how does it get like that It's almost like it's not able to root. Yeah. If you're moving back like and for a forth. team or oh you like I got you. It, it, it was really <laughs> somebody tweeted out before the game all the optics of the grass and how they spent two years like getting this grass ready for the Super Bowl and uh, is it can you break in grass like is that it like is it no one had ever played on that grass no. before it was a hybrid of like a couple of kinds <laughs> I knew you would do that uh, of a couple of kinds of golf the great thing about golf, it golf uh, fairway grass some you Bermuda know, grass you know, yeah, yeah whatever. It, it, and I, it just I, I'm I just don't think it worked yeah. it wasn't maybe it was maybe it just hadn't taken yet fully I don't I don't know what the is that a turf was. field normally yes. Why not just make no. it grass? No, is, is it, it grass? A, it's grass. It grass? Arizona's good. They I mean, have I the always, trees. I, was I know that we, we can go back to the Fred montage if they pull it out <laughs> soft, <laughs> and then it goes back in hot. Huh. So, so is it when I was standing on it, it felt like, 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 it felt like turf. That's probably slab. the problem. But, I mean, to me, I always think of Super Bowl Forty Nine when the Patriots played the the Seahawks there, right? right. And just how bright that green was. Like, that grass always just kind of jumped off the screen to me. I, I don't know. And the logos, I, I, I think, are a problem, it. too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, with all the I, paint, that was, I, right? I know it's the Super Bowl. Like, I don't need a 35-yard logo so the kicker can slip when he's kicking off. That was another thing, off. yeah. Now, <laughs> fortunately, it was a bomb anyway. It was a touchback. But, like, why? I mean, you shouldn't have your kickers falling down kicking off. It's also kind of tough to tell where they are on the field when the logo takes up <laughs> 50 yards. Like, it's it's like, oh, wait, they're they're in the red zone? Like, I, the, the logo's there. It's <laughs> Too big. It, too much. Uh, and, uh, one interesting, I know we'll work our way toward the end of the game, but I just, I was so pissed when it looked like Mahomes got hurt. And that was like, I think I, I learned a little bit guys. about something about myself because like, yes, I was kind of rooting for the Eagles and, and all that stuff, but I just wanted to see a healthy 
game and to you know see these guys go head to head that I mean I just I thought when he went down I'm like I don't know what it's going to look like he's about to take a 40 minute halftime you know maybe they had to, to, to shoot him up again or something but <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. absolutely Definitely. that's where the you long halftime helps you so I, I just that that moment for me I was I was a little bit worried that this was going to end up you know being like the NFC championship especially game like where the Chiefs were at that point in the game obviously that was before that that just makes Patrick Mahomes' like, performance so yeah. much more impressive to me. I thought they were toast after that. Yeah, and I've also tried to turn over a new leaf. I'm trying not to get worked up about any uh, ancillary family members or any of that stuff. I'm trying to be, be a big person about that. Did I send you the Jackson Mahomes TikTok oh, video? I, see, oh, I, I saw plenty of, of like Patrick Mahomes getting interviewed. Patrick and then you just was see doing his post-game in interview. Doing, doing his post-game interview and his brother's taking selfie videos in the back. Like, yeah. oh my God. Yeah. You never, can't never, even, it's like you can't even make it up. It's almost like it was like on purpose. Do you remember last week I asked you guys, like these Twitter people, like they're, they're not necessarily like, Patriots, you people. Media, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Remember, I, there was names in Tanya Ray Fox. Oh, I yeah. think is one. Mm -hmm. yeah. So you know, I, I always tell you, and you got, and Fred especially makes fun of me. I wish he was here. I always say I don't have, like, I don't know how you get these Jackson Mahomes things in your timeline. Like uh, someone always shows them to me, but they never show up. I finally figured out Tanya Ray Fox. <laughs> don't ask me why she's in my time. I don't know who that is, but. She's the one that tweeted that ridiculous Jackson Mahomes in the yeah. background, and I was like, "Oh, that's how they." Paul get was it. like, "Now yeah. I get it." Yeah, it was like, "Well, well, no, it still doesn't. It still doesn't make me root no. against the Chiefs." It's not even a date. Like if Patrick Mahomes was doing stupid stuff like that, that'd be worth yeah. not rooting for him. But no, it annoys you. Uh, no, he's annoying. I think I got uh, no, it. without question he's annoying. But it's not but even what do dancing. I can, you know, it's just like coordinated hand movements. <laughs> is anyone it's more, like more dancing? It's just like what was is anybody doing? more annoying than the entirety of the Gronkowski family, other than Rob? Okay, let's talk about that too. What like <laughs> and Rob is one of that? my absolute favorite players of all time. <laughs> that commercial all of a sudden just came in and it's go time. Like, and here it is. And like, what, are we? It's just live. Like I had no idea what was going on. And then I mean, I saw another footage of it, but it looked like it went through. Initially, I think I know it was people good. Were, people I think that was the worst officiating call. But of then the they night. showed they showed another angle. I saw Gronk, and it was like, and it just it got taken it, by the wind. It went. It went in <laughs> front of the upright. It did. It did. Yeah. So I thought that was a brilliant marketing campaign that they missed. Like ultimately, it got time to do it and execute it, and they, everybody dropped the ball. It was so haphazard. Didn't it just look like it was another like it wasn't live? Yeah, it, it wasn't live. <laughs> no, but like that. But but it looked like it wasn't. Li <laughs> right. But my point is, you have to at least fake it, right? You have yeah. all of these like. You have all of I these saw resources Kay at your disposal. On Twitter getting like defensive because people were saying it wasn't live, and she was like, "It was live." I was like, "It wasn't live." Okay. It wasn't live. Like it's okay. Like I don't care. But it, let's not. Let's not like make that. It sound I think like that could have been a not. really, really great thing. Like you know, you're giving away. Like betting is becoming more and more mainstream. You're giving away this great opportunity. But you should play it up, and then have it. Like all of a sudden, they 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 switch to it. He kicks it. You can't tell if he made it or not. You just see the referees say no. He falls down. To your point of like. It's so. It looks so fake. Like, is he just like acting right now? And like, what's like, going on? I guess we did just this happen like three hours ago, like two days ago. He did launch it though. Like it was. Oh yeah, it was up there. I don't know how he missed kick. it. But then they just launched all the the celebration fireworks anyway. They're like, oh, yeah. I didn't get it, but whatever. Well, because everybody won anyway. Yeah. yeah. Oh, they did. Yeah. They, they like it didn't matter that he missed it in the long run, which is unfortunate for them because I think they could keep doing that 
if he made it. Yeah. Right. Well, but now that he missed it, everybody knows. Well, what's the difference? Yeah. You're going to give it to us anyway. It's like the puppy bowl. Uh, so <laughs> we're, puppy we're just bowl. about to halftime. <laughs> so we had some de- spirited debate upstairs about uh, Rihanna. Some people Why upstairs. Why don't you guys ever unhappy? email me, te- text me? <laughs> come up now. Come on up to debate. Uh, talk to you know, send a brother oh, a Slack. I can't believe you didn't hear it because I don't sit in the writers' come up. I sit in the cubes with the s- more of the social team. I could hear Evan like loud and clear when well, you guys were talking I about the halftime. Up and I would have come up and you guys. Over. Christopher, uh, unhappy with the playlist. Didn't think Didn't think she she hit enough of the hits. Who was upset? I would agree with Christopher. Yeah. This could yeah. be the, Chris, it's if you're listening, take. this could be the first time um, in That's your old hundred take. years here at the organization. Like I agree Chris. with Chris Ferreira. Yeah. You, you missed <laughs> Diamonds and uh, what were the other No, ones? Diamonds was in there. No, Diamonds was SOS. SOS. The big one that he was really upset about. Yeah, but SOS came out in like 2008. Yeah, it was like Baby Girl. When did Umbrella come out? Uh, after that, <laughs> <laughs> after SOS was like Rihanna's debut album, which right. was like 16 years. But old. also, well, I, to be honest, I, I could I could have taken some Pondy replay, and that's probably her first song. That's one of my favorite songs. That's maybe the one that I felt like she missed was Pondy replay. But like SOS, no offense on the pantheon of Rihanna songs. It's Disturbia. Pretty dead. Play no, Disturbia. No, 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 no. S and M. No. Play the hits. She did. She did. S and M. She probably couldn't have played. They probably would have. And and did everybody freak out? You thought Kanye was going to pop out for a second yes. when she started to play uh, Kanye. Because yes. yeah. no the way whole they performance. Out. No, I no, I know, but that they. But I mean, the whole performance. Of Kanye. There was a commercial like earlier in the Super Bowl with the swastika, <laughs> so I, I don't know. Like they might have allowed it. I missed that. Oh yeah. yeah. Kind of, oh yeah. I yeah. That too. Well, which commercial? Uh, there was a. It was a commercial for like a TV show that was like some sort of like murder you know fbi oh, type show okay and they like did like a raid and it yeah. was kind of a mis <laughs> characterization <laughs> like no. i thought no, no, they no, were no, like no. you know let's, no let's, it's let's not let's let, let's Nazis. let's not put any of that in any commercial please thank you all right enough said yeah, so uh, I don't know. I, w- I overall I thought it was fine. I, I'm like everyone's like, what did you think? I'm like, I don't know. Rihanna I came agree. out and sang some songs that I knew. I do I have to have a hot take on just like listening yeah. to her sing for ten minutes? I don't know. Well, you, really? you're supposed to say it's the worst ever halftime show or the best ever halftime show within thirty seconds. The of halftime it show is super polarizing. You either every year you either loved it or you hated it, and there's no in between for people. Yeah, I agree. I feel like I, people I are it. kind of I was mad on it. I was. I thought I'm, it was really nostalgic. Brought me back to college and high school and like fun times with my girlfriends, but also it just lacked like a little something for me. I was waiting for someone to come out or I think I don't it, know. I, was I think her being pregnant definitely played a factor, for sure, in which the, is understandable. Yeah. That's the only thing I would say in retrospect is I, like, I wish he had said, you know, can we? I, I, I'm honored by this. I want to do it. Can we do it next year? Right. Because she couldn't perform. Right. Or get someone to come out with you and like add some luster to it well so when she did all the lights i was like all right they're not going to bring out kanye because it's kanye but then she did run this town and i was like there's like 10 people you can bring out jay-z was there at the super bowl because they showed him pregame and then i was like all right well why don't you just have jay-z come in and do a verse from run this town and then go into your next song they shouldn't do that was where i thought that she had one the opportunity he was in the building like he's a big football guy as i would have been yeah drake too like all the everybody thought drake was coming right been great i would have taken monster but eminem was there last year i would have taken chris stapleton just sticking around for halftime 
his <laughs> that was pretty anthem cool. Was that was beautiful. pretty cool. Yeah, then that's like something I can get behind where it's just simple and it's just you know it's not drawn out and overproduced. It's just a guy and a guitar. He's and amazing. The, I didn't see you know, that. He's so he's amazing. Live. It was it was fine. I didn't see him. You said it was fine. You must not like. I'm not. You're not a country. Music I'm not a country guy. guy first of all. And or I'm, just you're I'm, not I'm, a music I'm, guy. I'm, I'm, I'm also not an, an anthem guy. Like everybody going nuts over the anthem. It's like it's the anthem. Like I'm sorry. You know, to me, there's the anthem and then someone who's butchering the anthem. Right. As long as the anthem goes off without it being an absolute train wreck, right. like to me, it's an anthem. It's like, like Carl cool. Lewis, Roseanne Barr, like that stands oh. out to me. But like Carl Lewis, Whitney Houston, or right. Chris Stapleton. Oh. I, right. I, 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 like, well, Whitney Adam Houston Adam. was yeah, the best amazing. ever. But I, I honestly think Chris Stapleton's performance was like up there. I, I, everybody was, was everybody thought it was amazing. So I'll yeah, and I'll I can't it say it wasn't because, like I said, I didn't see it. It was on. I just didn't. I was probably feeding my fat face. So we get into the second half, and, and I was thinking going into it, all the times I've heard Patriots players, everybody just say, the second half of the Super Bowl, it's like a whole new game. And that's what, like, going into it, I didn't really see coming what was going to happen, but I just, from the get-go, it just felt like the Chiefs had kind of flipped the switch, and they were ready to go. You know? I was very surprised that both offenses were as dominant as they were. Like, I thought the defenses would at least pose a little bit of, you know, like we talked about with the the pass yeah. 70 sacks couldn't get 70 Not they didn't really didn't even have pressure let alone sack i think he was only pressured five percent of mahomes dropbacks were first downs 48 percent. i mean that's incredible getting a third down he or. scored 38 points on eight drives because they barely possessed the ball right. and that's <laughs> I, had, I had a talk with with no socks about that and it's like you know you would have thought philly would have had such a bigger lead with the time of possession i was like but kansas city just kept scoring so fast and i know they had the defensive score and then the punt return but all their other drives were touchdowns, too. Like, yeah. they only punted twice. Both teams punted twice. That's crazy. I feel like, like the, the turf was responsible I, for more, like, near sacks. That's where I'm at. Like, else. honestly, I hate to make it like that. Like, I hate to say things like no, that. I included a, a little paragraph about the turf in my, my recap. It, know, was, it was a part of the game. Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweat were, like, two of the best bookend rushers in the league all year long, and you just watch them slipping all over the place trying to turn the corner. And as a blocker, I mean, all you're doing is getting to land. Right. Bang. And then, you know, these guys are trying to turn that tight corner, and if you can't dig your feet in and, yeah. and bend, and then it's That's why it's fixed. That's the NFL. They wanted it that way. They didn't want Phil. Well, I mean, you have to say on that particular issue, they were guys just going down like bowling pins oh, yeah. all night. Oh, yeah. You know, like Sky Moore had like a little jet sweep that he just fell. You know, he was going to come around the corner. I don't think it was going to go for a huge gain, but he just fell down. I'm telling you guys, when I saw the montage video, I thought, I was like, no, this is clips from other times they played each other. Like, it has to be right. No. But I do think it game. impacted the Eagles' pass rush uh, immensely. Yeah. I think Me it too. had an impact on the game. It did. Chris Jones didn't really. I mean, did he do? I'm trying to. I don't really uh, remember him standing up. Why don't you go back and check yeah. the rushing stats for the Eagles yeah, and then tell me what Chris Jones did. Yeah. Not down. to go all Evan on you. Yeah, yeah. But All right, I'll have to get back to you on that one, though. That was another surprise to me that the Chiefs just completely – I mean – Boston Scott. I mean, Miles Sanders, our guys. Nothing. <laughs> so I had a guy um, had Kenneth Gainwell for the first touchdown for like some – Oh, no. Some ridiculous wow. odds. I don't even know what they were. Yeah. But they, you know, like, that's an obscure guy. First touchdown, and he gets it called, you know, not called back, but yeah. respotted Almost. after review. And you knew we, they weren't going to give it to him in the next play. Yeah. And so, uh, and then the But call. they couldn't run at yeah. all. The, they, uh, I think they had 17 runs for, like, 46 yards without Hurts. Right. Yeah. So, I was going to say Hurts was really the only run factor. Yeah. In, and in really, that was one big run. Yeah. How about those QB sneaks, too? That's going to be outlawed, right? Yeah. I mean, you, the way they. I what actually. What do you feel about it? 
I actually kind of like it. Like, I think it's cool. Like, it's like a, almost like a rugby play, you yeah. know. But at the same time, I I don't think that that's the spirit of the play. Like, I don't think that that's yeah. how it's meant to be. My boy Felger talk about that yesterday. He used almost the same words that Evan just did. He's like, they need to outlaw it. It's the it's not football. It's rugby, and it, you know, Andrew Callahan was on that show last night, and I don't think he could understand. Like, he goes, well, you know, Tom Brady was like was money on quarterback sneaks. He ran it really effectively. And Mike just kept saying, but they just ran a traditional quarter. I'm not yeah. saying outlaw the quarterback sneak. The quarterback can take the snap and run up the you middle. You can have two guys but pushing But you shouldn't both be able to have guys pushing from, you know, from yeah. behind. Yeah. Like, there used to be... There used to be rules about aiding and abetting, you know, <laughs> the crime. Right. Uh, the, the the ball carrier. Now it just seems like yeah. you could do anything on those. They had uh, Pereira on uh, Felger and Maz last week. He and talked he, about it. He was talking about it from a player safety perspective because they outlawed pushing from, uh, you know, the second level on kicks, right? You can't push uh, on, a, on a field goal or an extra point. But I, I just feel like. First of all, they don't like any play that's that automatic. Like if you're third and one and you're the the Eagles are getting it ninety five percent of the time. Ninety one percent, they got. It's that's too much for the NFL. That's why they push back the extra point. Right? It's too much of an automatic play. So, I think they'll do something about it. But I, I like the I, idea of of what, you know how the Eagles got to to scheming up sneaks like that. And I think in general, the sneak to me is one of the most uh, underutilized plays in football because on third and one how many t- times do we see teams spread out the field and try to throw for it or they they try to run it in a, kind of like a goal line package when mm-hmm. you need you need two and a half feet i mean just just push the pile right i think that teams should be sneaking a whole lot more and i think the eagles have put a lot of thought into it which i give them credit for for practicing it like that that is true even though i wouldn't be upset if they they uh outlawed it i I do give the eagles credit for their creativity Uh, you know no one else did it that way yeah yeah, I mean, you know, like the Bush the push happened how long ago? Huh. Yeah, two thousand six, two thousand five, long time ago. You know, and they took it to another level and have two guys right directly behind the quarterback, and here we go. So the 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 last call, the holding call. Um, I I I I, I, it I just feel exactly obvious. the way I felt yeah. two weeks ago in the Cincinnati one. Yeah, it was a penalty. Yeah, I wish they kept the flag in there. Me too. I know. I just, but he definitely held him. You just didn't get a chance to see. Everybody wanted to see that big ending, you know, to get that last stop. And yeah, that I was s- that was just being selfish. I <laughs> wanted the game to keep going. I, yeah, I said, if there's any time there's a game where you're trying not to score at the end of the game, I don't like it. I just don't like the situation. I don't like how don't it's all like it. Don't up. care for it. If you're if you're going down at the one yard line, purposely trying not to score, I don't like where it's going. But um, it's just. Like, I, I had such a resignation when that happened. It was like, and there it is. Like, you know, the crappy call, and that's how it's going to end, just like it's that. Like D you know. Ford all over again. D Ford all over again. You know, one. Uh, <laughs> but he was offside. Just when you so, I mean, I'm D glad Ford was offside. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. And it but, was holding yeah. on James Bradbury. Yeah. Like, yeah, I was. wish they didn't Wait, call it. I, I, I couldn't wish more. I think what was worse about this one was that it, it ended the game. Because the Chiefs were able to just kneel out yeah. the clock right. and kick the field goal, it, it that that to me is even worse because Kansas City literally didn't basically didn't have to do anything else to win the game at that point mm-hmm. other than kick the field goal and not screw up, I guess, on a kneel down, which never happens anyway. So uh, I think that that was the part that was the biggest bummer. But I also think that we, we should recognize. There was a minute and fifty eight seconds left, and they made the holding call. So if Kansas City kicks the field goal there, like I. They still have to score, right? Like, like Philly still has to yeah, go and drive the field. Yeah, but that's what I wanted. I wanted the drama. Sure, of, of you course. know, can Hurts do it again? He's been 
I mean, he had one mistake, the whole which was a big mistake, but. Other than that, he was unbelievably good in the yeah. game. Did you see? Can he do it again? That would have been awesome did, to watch. Did you see a continuation too of a lot of like early false? I don't want to say false starts because they weren't really called. But again, like I just felt oh a few yeah, times, Lane Johnson me, every play. It just seemed like guys were popping off. Oh, don't snap like don't Trent get Brown. O-line Twitter started on the Lane Johnson thing. <laughs> That's what you're supposed to do. Like, I mean, he, Trent they, Brown did it all year and he didn't get gold they, for it too. They call yeah. it impeccable timing. Yeah. They, they think Lane Johnson. Greg Olson just, said that. Yeah, at one point he's just absolutely in sync with Jason Kelsey and it's just impeccable. I even timing. thought one Mind of melt. the the one one of the ones on the goal line cuz I think the Chiefs got called 3 times for being offside. And one of the ones on the goal line, the guy in the middle, I think it was 91, moved into the neutral zone, had gotten back and then the Eagles reacted and they called offside. I think it should have been a neutral zone infraction. They did I mean um the false start because they didn't react fast enough. Like you know how Bill says yeah. make contact when that guy moves you make contact with him immediately. You get the flag. But they gave it to him anyway. Yep. Well, we'll head over to the uh, phones. Give us a call here, 855-PATS-500. Shoot us an email. I don't email. really want to talk about the replays either. Webmail, or sorry, mm. web radio Jesus. at Patriots. The Devontae Smith com. catch was. Oh. How is that? Like, like we, really, catch. we really need to think, I think about the other that. So I think it's they got so him. Stupid. I think they might have gotten him backwards. Yeah. That was close. I, I I never saw the full one I wanted with the back foot uh, on the sideline with Goddard. That one, like it, I think it was, but I never got the actual shot where I felt. In like my league, it. both of them are catches. Five years ago, they're both catches. It's the like Devonte Smith play, he catches the ball, takes two steps inbounds, and then goes to right. the ground. And the way that they had, they had changed the rule to the point where I think it's three steps. And then you're no longer you, need, you no longer need to complete the process. So the fact that he only got two feet down and then went to the ground, but he's an upright player when he catches right. the football. Right to me, it's two feet. Okay, if he's like toe tapping two feet down and then he right. loses, right? I still think it's wrong, but you could make an argument. This is two running strides. Right. He's a runner there. Right. He's like, if he's in the player. field of play, that should have been a fumble. So that's the, If he hadn't hit the ground. That's the terminology. The officiate is an upright player. So if you get three feet in bounds, you're, you now become an upright player, and then yeah, you don't I have to complete it. the process. So he only got two, so he wasn't deemed that yet. But I thought it was interesting that Pereira, you know, because on that same interview with Felger, kind of didn't, didn't go down that road. He sort yeah. of talked about it is easier now. Like, I think they've. I agree with what Alex just said. I think they've somehow tweaked this now to make it even more sort of convoluted. I just don't understand how Devontae Smith catches the football, takes two full strides in bounds, and then goes to the ground as he crashes into the sideline, and he still has to hold. Like at some point, that process is completed. That's my feeling, and, and I, I just think that we we slow it down too to you know att- every single frame by frame. It can't be watched like that. <laughs> and it's like, of course, the ball moves. Of course, the you know little. It, it's it's just that's not what this is. The one thing I agree with Felger on, like that's not what review was meant for. Like that was not why they initiated reviews and all these reviews were meant because if an egregious call was called the wrong way, that we can fix it. This is this is like, like we're going to break stuff. down every play into its minutia to find a potential penalty or reason we can overturn right. But that's the thing. Like I was so I was watching a lot of guys had first that I was watching with like everyone bet on Philly and then the rest of the, was like their girlfriends and I was probably the only girl that's really into football there and I was asked by one of my friends to explain why that wasn't a catch <laughs> and I a bit, a bit, a bit. It's, what do you even say it, I don't know because it's crazy that's that's my thing too is if I 
my mother knows nothing about football. Love her. Love you, mom. Knows, knows nothing about football. But if I can explain the rule to her when we're watching the Super Bowl, which is probably the one game a year she might watch, then like I feel like then they've done a good job with the rule. But if I have to sit there and be like, honestly, I, I don't, don't know. know. And how many times have you done that this year? Because like, I, I looked at those two plays and I said, on the first one, I think it's a catch. It would be a catch if I was making the ruling, but I, I think that they're going to call it incomplete. On the second one, I said, I think it's a catch. I would call it a catch, but I think they're going to call it incomplete. And they called them two totally different ways. Yeah. Like, I knew I, from the get that Devontae Smith was going to be a no catch. Yeah, me too. I knew it. Yeah, I, I thought they would call it pissed. no catch. Yeah. yeah. I thought they were trying to hurt him too. Like it seemed like they were trying to really – get physical with him especially like after the play like it just seemed like guys you were think of, uh, falling on him the eagles linebacker uh tackle on mahomes when he got hurt mm. Mm. i wanted to see that i was looking for that oh yeah 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 there was an extra roll there little, yeah. little, yeah. little, little grab of course mac jones said no tug. i agree that's what you should do i think i mean oh, i thought that was it i really thought that was it i was so i was like i'm not even gonna watch well this. i knew he was gonna play i just Henny. didn't know what like can he can he play but like and I've heard the Patriots talk about this with the, the extended halftime at the Super Bowl allows you to do – I think they talked about it with Gronk. Yeah. Some training stuff. Yeah. Put, yeah. A, put a I new wish, foot on. I wish they would let – like we could have just like a panel with the team doctors. Like what did you shoot him up with? Tore it all. It's a bad idea. <laughs> Tore it all and duct It's tape. a very bad idea. It would never happen. <laughs> no. But just out of my own curiosity, we, I want Yeah, after the game he insisted that he didn't. Get he didn't have anything? No, no painkillers at no, halftime. Right. I was like, okay. No, they, Come on. They had Come enough on, time Patrick. to get Jackson. That might be his first, stands, might be his first public misstep then. Right. Because <laughs> that's, that's really hard to believe. All right. Let's, uh, let's jump over to the uh, phone. Real quick here, before real quick. you go to the phones. Oh, hold on, Patty. We're coming. Just a real short one. Came away really, really impressed with Philadelphia. I mean, the way they played the game. But their post-game reaction yeah. was Bradbury. Over, over the t- Bradbury was ridiculously good yeah. like but the whole organization like you didn't hear a thing yeah class took i it, mean just took it like champ you know? i mean i know some people think cincinnati is the model franchise in the league i mean just compare and contrast cincinnati's post-game behavior to that yeah yeah like i was really impressed with philadelphia i mean i know what they're thinking in their minds they're thinking they got screwed but sirianni must have put the hammer down post-game and said we're not talking about the referees calls that's yeah. not why we lost yep Hey, Patty, what's going on? You're on. Hey, what's up, everyone? What's up? You know what's amazing is I've been watching the NFL for almost 40 years, and this year I, I don't know what the hell it catches, really. I mean, like you said, Paul, we've, we've seen it like maybe four or five times, and I just I don't know anymore. Um, yeah, and I'm, I'm with you guys, too. Like, I would like to see Philly just get one more chance um, and just see what, you know, see what would have happened or kick a field goal to tie it turn the ball over or possibly like leave too much like maybe 25 40 seconds on the clock for pat mahomes to go down and score again um but one thing i mean one thing that i got from this game and you guys touched on it too is i i was amazed to see what pat mahomes did this year and how he kind of took his game to a new level without tyree kill and um I mean, the, the, I think the thing that separates him from all the great young QBs that are in the league right now, the Jalen Hurts, the Josh Allen, the Joe Burrows, is I, I'm, at this point, I'm already considering him an all-time great, you know, and he's only been playing starting for five years. And that's, that's really all I got. That's my uh, take on the Super Bowl, and hopefully we can talk some drafts Thursday. Oh, talk yeah. to you guys later. Thanks, Patty. 
Yeah, I was trying to, you know. I'd argue with any of that. Mahomes is just, like, I'm trying to, like, and I totally agree with everything Patty said about, you know, he's he's just, he's clearly going to be one of the all-time greats. But it's like, it's so hard to really pin him down as to what he is. Like, and I just, I just feel like he's so hard. He's wily. Like, he just, he makes things happen. When plays break down, it's just, he can do it out of the pocket. If it's not there, he, he'll run with his feet. He can get the ball out late. He, and the off-platform stuff, I, you know, I, like, I think that gets overblown. But he can do it and in the critical moments, too. In the third downs, it's, you, know, you, you just can't put him in a conventional kind of box of like pocket passer or even like a mobile Michael Vick. You know, though, he's his own kind of thing, and it's just, he's just so hard. It, I feel like every time you watch him play, you're just like on the edge of your seat, like, get him! And you can never get him. I think he he's always really makes smart, that play. too. I mean, he, yeah. he will make some reckless throws like, you know, they all do. But I, I think he also has a good idea of where he's, what he's trying to do, you know, like it's not just running around making plays schoolyard all the time. Mm-hmm. I think he has a good plan. I thought he played. I mean, maybe part of it was because he knew he wasn't going to be able to run around. But I thought he played really, But he really, still did really run, though. Like even some of those runs where you're but like, he, you know, he ran when he dude, had to. Yeah. Like that long yeah. run to me looked like every step ouch, he was ouch. taking was, was hurting more and more and more. little steps, too. Yeah. Like, do, do, oh, do, do, do. Always <laughs> it was, yeah, but it looked yeah. especially <laughs> so, you know, it was funny to watch. I just think in in this in this era, I can't speak to to older eras, unfortunately. But in this era, I don't know if there's another quarterback that does as many things that mm. as Mahomes does. Like he checks every single box. He can play in structure. He can play out of structure. You can run quick game concepts. You can run vertical concepts. You can you can run every single thing at every single level of the defense, and he can hit every single throw. And I, I don't know, you know, other guys, you know, Brady's obviously great at what he does or, right. you know, other guys are great at what they do. Uh, Allen's great out of the structure of the play. But I don't know if anybody is as good at all of the things yeah. that you can do um, like Patrick Mahomes is. And I think that that's why as much as it irks Patriots fans, I think that's why people look at him as in the conversation potentially down the road as the greatest ever is because he can truly do it all on a football field. And, and there's not very many guys uh, that could do that. At, at that level you know so maybe some other guys can run occasionally or scramble or extend plays occasionally but he does it at an elite level uh, i just it's hard to find another guy that's as po- as polished in every area like patrick mahomes is and that's i mean it's just every time you play him it's it's frustrating because he's able to get so much done uh let's go back out to my old uh my old town out Do you there know jerry hello hello jerry what's going on jerry <laughs> how's it going good morning everybody Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you may be. Hello, Jerry. Uh, good morning, still here in LA. <laughs> um, I wanted to, um, I wanted to ask, with the bill, the one that uh, wanted Mac Jones to stay uh, on the sideline, would he have a high injury, or he wanted to be like out more, or was it Mac Jones that wanted to to take the longer recovery before coming back? Oh, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure you broke up a little bit there. Did, I think second did Mac Jones want to come back really? earlier than he did, or did the Patriots make him stay out? Is that the question? Yeah, because, uh, yeah, because when you guys were talking about uh, Belichick, you know, making the calling the plays and stuff like that, and he knew how the offense wasn't going to be as good. Maybe he wanted uh, Mac Jones to to be more out of the season, so that way he would he wouldn't blame his quarterback. He wouldn't have the situation he has him in right now. Yeah. I mean, I don't know the definitive answer. My my answer would be my feeling Thanks, would be that I think they both wanted to be back as soon as he possibly could be back. I think Bill wanted Mac Jones back on the field as fast as he could, and I think it's pretty obvious Mac wanted to be back as fast as he could. Now, 
we could all argue that the Chicago game was not handled well, both yeah. maybe having him start in the first place and then how he handled yeah. taking him out and all that. But I think that they wanted both sides, I think, were in agreement. We want this guy back as fast as we can, don't you think? Yeah. He said something, Belichick said something later in the season. I forget which game it was where they – they didn't play out the string fully. They were down by two touchdowns, and they they didn't didn't go for it in the end. I think it was that Buffalo game, the one here, um, where they didn't really go for it in the fourth quarter to make the comeback. I know the line you're going to. And say. he said that he didn't. You know, last time we tried to do that, we got Mac hurt. Yeah. And that told me that he views Mac as still the the starter, even though he, he wouldn't say it. Right? Like, yeah, you know, it kind of took a backdoor angle to saying it. But I think that that in that instance, I I was like, okay, well, he clearly looks at Mac a little bit differently than he looks at Bailey Zappi, right? He's, he, if he really yeah. thought Bailey Zappi was Mac's equal, uh, then there wouldn't be a, a problem of oh, Mac gets hurt, we just have Bailey. You know what I mean? So I I think that that's. That was the moment where I realized that maybe some of the chatter of the disagreements over the injury and, and how it was handled outside of the Chicago game and, and all that, but just in terms of how it was handled behind the scenes, I, I kind of was like, all right, maybe that was a little bit overblown. I do have a little bit of a different view now on like what was that like when Mac went out with, with all the stuff that came out about the struggles on offense, the, the friction, the you know just inability to get things ever really rolling. You know, what was... I just wonder, and we'll never know, but what was it like behind the scenes when Mac was hurt? Like, a lot of times you say, oh, guy's hurt, he's going to, like, help people. But, like, you know, was that the time he was kind of reaching out because he had a chance to, like, step back and see, man, this this really is I – don't, I don't know. But it's just yeah, an interesting little little period here uh, in, in last season. Uh, but I'd want to bring this up, too. Uh, Colts have finally picked a new head coach. I'm probably – Shane Steichen. Steichen yeah. who is the Eagles' offensive coordinator. So – and play caller. And play caller. So yeah, Sirianni was at the Colts, and yes. then he went. And Frank, they had Frank Reich before this, so they're they're in that that Doug Peterson or whatever coaching tree you want to give credit. That's that's their tree. And so they're going to probably, I mean, this does the signal they're going to go for a quarterback or try to yeah, try he, to finally make a move. He was with the Chargers too, I think. Maybe when didn't Reich. Wasn't right with the Chargers for a while. Yeah, maybe he was the maybe they assistant. Maybe to they Reich, didn't overlap. I don't know. Kind of staying in the same family, which I think is kind of interesting. It's like you had Frank Reich, <laughs> right? You fired right. him. You want, <laughs> right. You know, we got Frank Reich's protege now. Uh, but it's not Jeff Saturday, so you know. He, he posted Twitter, on Twitter. Twitter can stand down. So. He, he posted on Twitter like a little you know selfie video of him being you know Colts Nation. You hey, know? what's up, guys? Like, yeah. Oh my god. Had a great time. Uh, <laughs> I, I do wonder though if this if this is uh you know if they're if they're going to make an aggressive move for a quarterback in the draft and you know yeah. as we get into so, that stuff a little bit yeah I think that's something probably you know we could talk about the Super Bowl today but there is musical chairs again that you know between Rodgers and Carr and Garoppolo and whoever and, and else be, you is know? that today with Derek Carr when he's going to supposedly be free, he's going like, to get flourish? released today I, I mean I'd have to look at the the details of that more but I, I, if I were the Raiders I like I wouldn't be happy the way he's been sort of handling himself since the decision to bench him i i would i would look into doing something to what do you mean like poo-pooing the, the saints trade like like because well like, it's not going to be a saints trade. right yeah, I mean, he has he, no trade clause he has a no so trade he just clause. said no he I mean, wants he wants saying? to get released so the he, team that he goes to doesn't get anything from the you know i also think it's because uh, of guaranteed money in, in his contract so if he's a free agent he's now going to get yeah, that guaranteed money up front today i think if he's on the, if he remains on the roster today i believe yeah what were they the doing? raiders would have to pay him why did um, they do this 
Like because I don't think they had any fear that he was to not be their quarterback. Yeah, I, I think that there's the Raiders are in a weird spot too because they don't they, do they have a first round pick? I I don't remember if they they traded which they traded a pick I, for Devontae Adams. I don't know which if, yeah. it, if it was last year or this Probably. year, but. Uh, they're not in a position. I, they don't pick in the top ten. I know that. Like they're not in a position to get any of the of the quarterbacks at the top of the draft. So I, I wonder where they're going to go at that position for sure. What is Josh going to do, Jimmy? Jimmy. Yeah, I could see Jimmy. Yeah, go back with Josh. He has at least an understanding of the system. Probably plug and play. It's really tough though, as you think Josh went there thinking. I got a guy, you know, I have a guy in place. I'm going to give him a contract and this, and this part of the equation, which is so important to me being successful here in my second stint as a head coach. And just like that, like, and, and as bad as they were this year, do you put all that on car? Was well, that, he didn't play know. well. Yeah. And I, and I like car more than most, but he didn't, he did but not was play he, well. But were you surprised still that they, that they decided to move on? Just considering well, I think where it's the franchise funny because is right now. His first go around, his first order of business was to take a guy that most people thought was pretty good in Jay Cutler and cut ties. <laughs> yeah. Sight unseen, basically. It wasn't because he went there and realized that Cutler was kind of the doofus that we all know him as now. Right. Um, he just decided, I'm going to cut ties. He alienated Brandon Marshall in the process, and it was a disaster. So this time he goes in, he says, yeah, well, no, no, we're going we're gonna to extend the incumbent quarterback, and here we are a year in, and Right. And they're, they're on the hook for $40 million right. if they don't release him today. And now, and, and how's Devontae Adams feel about it, who was like, not only... Well, I think like, Devontae <laughs> Adams is really lobbying to get Rodgers. Uh, yeah. Well, that could be that could be on the table as well, perhaps. We'll see uh, as we... But Jimmy would be good for, like, 10 games. He, yeah. He'll break down. I like, am surprised at some of the conversations around this quarterback class that, that I've heard, though, because I, I think the quarterback class is a little bit better than it's getting... Oh, about I thought you right were going to go the other way because I know no. you don't like Will Levis, and everybody has him <laughs> in the first round. So, Will, I, I saw <laughs> I saw some things out there about Will Levis from some people that I that I that I do tr- normally trust and think know football, but you kind of comparing him to sort of that like Herbert level prospect, where it's not like a sl- it's not a slam dunk, but he's got the tools, and if you get him get it out of him, sort of thing. But I've I, seen Josh Allen. I don't like, think big big runner who can right. throw, but. Yeah, you know, is he Wild. refined enough? But I look at C.J. Stroud and and Bryce Young, and they're as good of prospects as as any of the guys. Maybe besides Burrow, who, who's come out recently. I mean, what Stroud did uh, against Georgia's defense in the college football playoff is, I mean, that was absolutely ridiculous. Like some of the throws he was making are just absolutely absurd. I I, I don't know how you look at that film and not think, okay, this guy could be a franchise quarterback just I like, like the of rest guys. of those guys, you know, in the last couple I just years. would worry about the size, especially with Young. He's really small. Um, but they're both, I mean, they're terrific players. Got an email here, Paul. I, I'm going to throw this one to you. Is I, I don't know the answer to this, but you might. Uh, this is from Mark in Saint, or not? Sorry, Mark St. Louis, not Mark from St. Louis. Martin uh, St. Louis. <laughs> Martin St. Louis. Louis. Writing in about uh, his UVM days. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't Scott Zolak's dad Montana's high school coach? I think they edited the promos because the Sports Hub has deleted the portion of Zolak's clip when he mentioned his high school and Joe Montana. Yeah, he yeah. was uh, a coach uh, in in high school. He was not the head coach. Um, the guy that the name begins with an A, Amopolis or something like that. Um, I can look it up. Are you looking it up, Evan? Yeah. Did I you lose, so. Oh, did you lose interest? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Zoe, uh, Zoe's dad. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, Matt Smith was on a trip with the Patriots, um, and Montana was there. And in conversation, Matt asked 
Montana if he knew Scott Zolak. And he goes, Zoe! Because I love Zoe. I love his dad. His dad was definitely a coach. They grew up in the same town. Um, you know, in Western Pennsylvania, they they played together. So it's harder to find the new. But he was young. Um, yeah. Montana um, was, oh, I yeah. think, like a decade ahead of Zoe. He, yeah, he was uh, like a ball boy, like running around throwing throwing passes with Montana as a kid. That's pretty cool. I don't know how you know how many I don't know how many years apart they are, but probably at least ten, because Montana came into the league in like '79, and Zoe didn't come until like '91. So it's probably more than that. Probably so like twelve, uh, according to. Google, uh, Zoe's dad was the AD of the high school. Okay. He wasn't on the coaching staff, but maybe he was at an earlier time. Yeah, I know this piece that I read that um, – who wrote that piece? Was it Wickersham? That long piece on Montana? It was Wright Thompson, the one everyone – Wright Thompson. Yeah, Wright Thompson. Thompson. You're right. Um, he had a name and had, like, even quotes from the guy's daughter. Um saying how nice Montana was to the family, even after all the bad things that his, her father had said uh, about Montana. He was always very gracious. And, uh, you know, it was – I forget the name now, but it was not Zolak's father. Oh, that two-liter is like heaven to me right now. Yeah, oh, it says he was the AD at the high school that Zo went to. Perfect. Well, lunch is here, so we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we will this be when you're right supposed back. to say Paul's got to eat. I didn't want to throw you under the bus. No. I was trying to be nice. I'm like, he threw I'm himself like under the bus. He was like, oh, my two liters <laughs> of Pepsi's here. Sorry, right. we're all we're all probably going to eat something. Alex brought brought a lunch, and uh, Evan's got a bag too. So uh, we're all going to eat. We'll take a break. We'll be back shortly. Verizon, the network America relies on, and the official 5G network of the New England Patriots. Patriot Place is the region's number one shopping, dining, and entertainment destination. Shop your favorites, including Vineyard Vines, Express, Olympia Sports, Petco, and more. Enjoy dining at one of our 19 restaurants, including Six String Grillin' Stage, Scorpion Bar, and Bar Louie. And don't forget about the entertainment. Explore your inner artist at Muse Paint Bar, watch a movie at Showcase Cinema Deluxe, or grab a controller and start gaming at Helix Esports. For a complete directory listing, please visit patriot-place.com. How did Verizon build the fastest 5G in the world? We started by building it right with 5G Ultra Wideband. Then we gave it massive capacity and near zero lag. And it's not just fast, it's 25 times faster than today's 4G networks. This is 5G built right from the network more people rely on, only on Verizon. 5G Ultra Wideband available only in parts of select cities. Global claim based on open signal independent analysis. 25 times analysis by Ookla Speed Test Intelligence data Q2 2020. When someone accidentally threw away the school play costumes, oh no! Replacements were shipped with FedEx, and with picture proof of delivery, everyone could focus on the perfect opening night. FedEx, where now meets next for residential delivery only. In sports, if you think joy only happens after you win, think again. Look at the world's most successful athletes like Serena Williams, Brooks Kepka, and Alex Morgan. They don't spend all their days grinding away. They take time to enjoy themselves, like getting together with friends over a Michelob Ultra, because they know that happiness is the key to winning, and that joy is the whole game, not just the end game. Michelob Ultra, 95 calories, 2.6 grams of carbs. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Enjoy responsibly. AB Michelob Ultra Light Beer, St. Louis, Missouri. Some people are never content with simply being good. Not when they can be great, but it takes a big step to get there. In fact, it takes a leap of faith, a belief in what you're striving toward, and a willingness to make the commitment, day in and day out, to something bigger than yourself. 
Putnam is proud to partner with those who share their own commitment to performance excellence. This is Matt Light for Putnam Investments, a world of investing. There's no season better than football season. And there's no better place to get in on all of the action than with DraftKings, the official daily fantasy sports partner of the New England Patriots. To add to the thrill, DraftKings has millions of dollars in prizes up for grabs every week. So head to the app now and check it out. If you haven't tried it yet, fantasy football is easy to play. Just pick nine players, stay under the salary cap, and pile up points for yards, touchdowns, receptions, and so much more. There's no better way to put your football knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at $1 million in total prizes. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code PATS to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes every week. That's promo code PATS to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes every week, only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Patriots fans, you'll want to check out the replay on this one. Pat the Patriot is stealing the show tonight with his Bank of America mobile banking app. That's right, folks. So here we see Pat cheering and then whammo. Is that Bank of America life plan? Looks like he's saving up for some big future moves. Planning the next vacay, huh, big guy? And wait, now he's paying back his buddy for concessions using Zelle? No penalty there. Incredible. No way. As if that double move wasn't impressive enough, now he's beefing up his account defense with security meter? Holy cannoli, what a performance. Bank of America's digital tools are so impressive, Patriot fans just can't stop banking. Learn more at bankofamerica.com slash banking. You must be enrolled in online banking or download the latest version of the mobile banking app only available on select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Member FDIC. Want to get into the game? Get coached up at Dean College. Equipped with exclusive academic partnerships featuring the Patriots, Revolution, Providence Bruins, Summer Baseball, and more, our classrooms are set up for success by learning directly from the pros. Dean College has programs in communications, sports management, business, and marketing with unprecedented hands-on experiences. Our students take what they learn in the classroom and put it right to work in the marketplace. At Dean College, our students don't just play games, we run them. Visit us at dean.edu. Verizon, the network America relies on, and the official 5G network of the New England Patriots. Patriot Place is the region's number one shopping, dining, and entertainment destination. Shop your favorites, including Vineyard Vines, Express, Olympia Sports, Petco, and more. Enjoy dining at one of our 19 restaurants, including Six String Grill and Stage, Scorpion Bar, and Bar Louie. And don't forget about the entertainment. Explore your inner artist at Muse Paint Bar, watch a movie at Showcase Cinema Deluxe, or grab a controller and start gaming at Helix Esports. For a complete directory listing, please visit patriot-place.com. How did Verizon build the fastest 5G in the world? We started by building it right with 5G Ultra Wideband. Then we gave it massive capacity and near zero lag. And it's not just fast, it's 25 times faster than today's 4G networks. This is 5G built right from the network more people rely on, only on Verizon. 5G ultra-wideband available only in parts of select cities. Global claim based on open signal independent analysis. 25 times analysis by Ookla Speedtest Speed Test Intelligence data Q2 2020. 
when someone accidentally threw away the school play costumes. Oh no! Replacements were shipped with FedEx, and with picture proof of delivery, everyone could focus on the perfect opening night. FedEx, where now meets next. For residential delivery only. In sports, if you think joy only happens after you win, think again. Look at the world's most successful athletes like Serena Williams, Brooks Kepka, and Alex Morgan. They don't spend all their days grinding away. They take time to enjoy themselves, like getting together with friends over a Michelob Ultra, because they know that happiness is the key to winning and that joy is the whole game, not just the end game. Michelob Ultra, 95 calories, 2.6 grams of carbs. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Enjoy responsibly. AB Michelob Ultra Light Beer, St. Louis, Missouri. Some people are never content with simply being good. Not when they can be great, but it takes a big step to get there. In fact, it takes a leap of faith, a belief in what you're striving toward, and a willingness to make the commitment, day in and day out, to something bigger than yourself. Putnam is proud to partner with those who share their own commitment to performance excellence. This is Matt Light for Putnam Investments, a world of investing. There's no season better than football season. And there's no better place to get in on all of the action than with DraftKings, the official daily fantasy sports partner of the New England Patriots. To add to the thrill, DraftKings has millions of dollars in prizes up for grabs every week. So head to the app now and check it out. If you haven't tried it yet, fantasy football is easy to play. Just pick nine players, stay under the salary cap, and pile up points for yards, touchdowns, receptions, and so much more. There's no better way to put your football knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at $1 million in total prizes. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code PATS to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes every week. That's promo code PATS to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes every week, only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Patriots fans, you'll want to check out the replay on this one. Pat the Patriot is stealing the show tonight with his Bank of America mobile banking app. That's right, folks. So here we see Pat cheering and then whammo. Is that Bank of America life plan? Looks like he's saving up for some big future moves. Planning the next vacay, huh, big guy? And wait, now he's paying back his buddy for concessions using Zelle? No penalty there. Incredible. No way. As if that double move wasn't impressive enough, now he's beefing up his account defense with security meter? Holy cannoli, what a performance. Bank of America's digital tools are so impressive, Patriot fans just can't stop banking. Learn more at bankofamerica.com slash banking. You must be enrolled in online banking or download the latest version of the mobile banking app only available on select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Member FDIC. And now, great moments in history. I know everybody around here says the Celtics love to make it hard on themselves and you know, they, they're doing it again, and they're blowing opportunity with, like, nothing to do with the other team. Like, 
forcing 18 turnovers. It's the Celtics giving well, it well, away. That's what I was trying to tell you all these you know, years with the Patriots when you would say the other team's stinking. I say, well, maybe the Patriots had something to do with it. But now, because not, not, now not, you have that take. Wait a minute. And I'm glad you've come around. Wait a minute. And I agree with your take on the Patriots, and I always have. No. In, in games like no, you and Andy, in play- the league sucks. The no. Patriots suck. You so know. You're, you're making two different arguments. The so league does suck. This always happens at I the know, end of the show. I know. The league does suck, by and large, and teams give games away. But you can't tell me they won six Super Bowls because the other team sucked. No. <laughs> That's stupid. That's what you guys used to say. Never once did I say in a, in a Super Bowl, the other team sucked. I would I would give credit to the other team and the Patriots having beaten that team. You yeah. would take away from the Patriots by diminishing the other no, team. No, I would take away again from the Patriots. Again and again and again. When, when they get dominated by, like, the Cleveland Browns and lose because Cleveland gives the ball away 17 times. Like, that's different. Right, because the Patriots had nothing to do with it. But them. you don't beat the, the, like, the Steelers and the Colts and the Rams all because the other team sucks. Yeah. Sorry, the other team doesn't suck. No, but they would say teams come to. But that's what teams Celtics come to Gillette saying, and They just poop themselves. But they that's just what, don't know what to do. But that's well, what that's Celtics fans are saying now. It's all about the Celtics sucking, not the Golden State doing anything. That I agree with, and I also agree with the other way too. That's another great moment from. All right, we are back from lunch here on Patriots Unfiltered. Last hour coming up, and uh, I got to jump right into one of these emails because it's it's got Paul Paul written all over it. We got to tap your uh, your mind. Uh, when it comes to scoring and going for two and all of these things, uh, we'll put. This I would have. Uh, I my my guess here. I'm going to guess what the question is. My guess here is Evan may have been more willing to have gone for two than I would be. Oh, okay. You, you see, he's got the 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 pulse. You got a finger after on the pulse. The, after Absolutely. the Chiefs' last <laughs> touchdown, they kicked the extra point to go up eight. The analytic uh, people are up in arms about this. Yes, I look at it as I've guaranteed that a that, that a tie is going to happen. If I miss it, I could lose. Because I don't know why you would go unconventional and go for two in a situation like that, but just automatically assume Philadelphia is not going to go for two and try to beat well, you. Well, especially the way Philadelphia has gone for two all year. They're, right. they're a no-risk-it-no-biscuit type of Right. I, w- I would have been afraid I'm going to kick the ex- – uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to go for two and miss and be up seven, and I'm going to lose in regulation. That would have been my fear. Philly is all over the nerds, like for like in a good way. Like fourth and one, they're going. Uh, go for fourth two, and they're one's going. Like, like a different to me. Like I, I oh, think I mean, you go up eight. I remember Pete Carroll did it here um, against uh, when when Seattle came here for one of the more entertaining regular season oh, games. Right out of the bye, right? One of those. I think yeah, no. I think it was coming off a bye. It was a Sunday night game 16? here, and he did that. He scored with less than five minutes left to go up seven. And went for two. And I remember Bill, who, as we all know, was not an overly analytic, uh, not based, an overly aggressive decision maker. You know, not 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 analytic based. He, I remember that the camera caught him. He goes, "Do I have the score wrong?" Like you could read his lips. Do yeah. I have the, with the, with the score? Well, uh, uh, and he went yeah. for two. Didn't get it. Um, Tom Brady's last ever game here, uh, that playoff game against Tennessee on the Logan Ryan pick six. Mike Vrabel went for two to try to make it nine and missed it. So people do do it. I'm not. I, I understand the the mindset. You try to go up two scores when there's not enough time left for two scores. I get it, but the Eagles are uh, a good version of the Chargers. Like the way that they call the game offensively, and the, <laughs> I like how, the way you put that. How aggressive they They're are. A smart version. Of the so Chargers. everybody gives Staley all this crap for the way that he does it because they don't convert. <laughs> the, Eagle, yeah, the Eagles. Eagles are just, just think, better at converting. I think he does it too much deep in his territory. Like yeah. If you recall in the Super Bowl, now you could make an argument that he should have stuck to his good. The 
the one time that, that the Eagles got stopped conventionally in that game was after the Chiefs went ahead 28-27, the Eagles went 3-0 and out and punted on 4th and 2. We were talking about a, you know the group that I was watching with, should they go for this? And I was like, uh, and I, I think it was have. like the 30-yard line. Right, I think yeah. they did the right thing. Now, yeah. <laughs> in retrospect, that's the, the, the ensuing punt was the one returned inside the 5-yard right. line by Tony. So you're not, you're not planning on that. Well, there you go, Tyler. That was Tyler from Providence's question that I, I didn't even have to read. I just looked to Paul and said, I need to ask you this one, and you knew exactly what it was going My to be. My only problem with, with those things, like, to me, I, I can hear, like, I think Evan made a good argument for going for two. And I've heard arguments that I, that I step back and I say, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I would do it this way, but I could see that side. It's the people that get angry. Like, Felger got, like, really violently angry yesterday at the suggestion of going for two. He thinks he should have just kicked it to make it eight. Bedard wrote, and then I guess talked about on that show, the Sunday night show, um, about like violently saying how Andy Reid is still Andy Reid because he didn't go for two. Like that to me is just pure hatred of Andy Reid to be that like to be that emotionally upset. That a, a guy We're talking didn't about kick an extra point. I mean, didn't go for two to try to make it nine and kicked it to go up eight in the Super Bowl. Like, really? You're, you're upset about that? Like, I don't. Doesn't that's the part of, of the analytics. Sheet. That's the analytics part that I don't understand. It, it's. I, I think that there's an, a solid argument for both, which I think is where the analytics community. It's For them, it's. We're right, and everybody else is a moron. Because it's always about the percentage. And if the right. percentage is more in your favor, you have to do it every time. Right. I think – so let's say the win percentage is – it's a four-point swing, you know, percentage-wise, if you go for two versus not go for two. Well, that doesn't mean that you still lose the game 35% of the time. And, you you know, you know it's you're still talking Correct. about – There's a chance always that you could still lose the game. But I think the go for two to go up nine is, is a, a good idea because of that two-possession thing. When you really start to get into the math of, okay, how many times can they possess the ball with less than five minutes to go in a football game, you really are putting them up against it in terms of time to even just be able to attempt yeah. to do it. And had they gone for it. two, I wouldn't be sitting here saying Andy Reid blew it, but I'll guarantee you if they had gone for two and not gotten it and then the Eagles went ahead. Andy Reid blew it. It would have been Andy Reid blew it. What's he doing going for two? Uh, fire him. Like That's what would have happened. Yeah, Derry. All right, I got a, I got two emails I'm going to read back-to-back, back, kind of uh, illustrating two ends of the Patriots fan uh, spectrum here good uh, these days. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do, uh, do this in the Fred, kind of Fred voice. I don't know if it'll be a Fred voice. It'll just be a Fred feeling because I feel like this is a Fred email uh, from just Joe. Just start mispronouncing Joe words in Michigan. and stuff. The <laughs> word dynasty, this is from Joe in Michigan. This is an email. The word dynasty means dot, 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 a powerful group that maintains its position for a considerable time. 20 years is a dynasty, not five. Five is a run. KC is not a dynasty. Joe in Michigan. That's his. Okay. Why right. do people care so much about that? <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> now we got Shotty from Houston. I wanted to rant about Patriot fans this week. The incessant bitching about the Chiefs and being helped out by the rest make this fan base look ridiculous. The majority of this fan base has turned into what Patriots fans complained about during the Brady years. Mahomes is what Brady was, different styles, obviously, but both winners. And the Chiefs are what we were and should aspire to be in the next years moving forward. So, you know, balance. Trying yeah. to, try to bring you both of that. That's very unFred-like. <laughs> he would have only read one <laughs> of those. He would have only read the top one, right? That one, that one had Fred written all over it. But, um, you know, I, I just like, like what – 
Yeah, no, like Andy, Andy asked me the same question when I went on EI this weekend with them. And, you know, you're, you're trying to trigger the Patriots fans. It's like, oh, you know, Patrick, you know. And, and, like, I just, like, what do we expect here as Patriots fans? Like, we got the greatest 20 years to watch football. We, it was as good as it could possibly be. You had ups and downs, wins, losses, roller coaster. I mean, I don't know as an NFL fan what you could want more. Another team was going to come along and be good. And, you know, and, and inevitably the comparisons so are going to come. So, Joe in Michigan, okay, I want you to think back. Jacksonville, Super Bowl 39, Patriots over the Eagles. The aftermath, Gil Santos. Yes, folks. Back to back, three out of four. Yes, it's a dynasty. Three out of four, dynasty. Right. And and by the way, he was right. Three out of four. Like you win three times. Now, you can make an argument, well, the Chiefs haven't won. They've gone to three out of four, but they only won two. Right? So you can make the argument that that what they've done is not a dynasty. To okay. me, dynasty though, like the core root of the word, it's it's generational reign, and that's I think what the Patriots did accomplish. It is funny you say that though, Alex, because I think you're the right. The Patriots is unquestionably you're, you're, a dynasty. You're right, because and that's why I'm saying the Chiefs yeah. aren't yet. Because we, actually well, I would say the Chiefs are. I, I would say the Steelers of the '70s were. I would say the 49ers were. I would say the Cowboys of the '90s were, and the Patriots in the Niners were the longest ones. They were the best ones. Yeah. It was, it was almost like, I mean, I kind of like first dynasty, second dynasty. I mean, you had two, two runs of three. I mean, they were connected. And obviously, Tom Brady was the connective tissue of it all. But See, I connect them because, not because Brady and Belichick stayed, but because every year in those 10 years that they didn't win it, with the exception of 08, they had a chance to win it every year. Yeah. Every year you went into it and you said, they're going to the playoffs, they're going deep in the playoffs, and they might go to the Super Bowl every year for 10 years. They didn't win it any of those 10 years. But that, to me, that's what the Chiefs will be as long as Mahomes is healthy. You know what was kind of cool for me to see, and it was a little bit uh, surprising, was and this came off uh, an Orlovsky video. Um, Evan, I'm sure you know what, what I'm bringing up with you know the two plays that they played off each other with Tony, where they had the, the motion, and then they reversed the motion, yeah. just had him go out. And, you know, just credit to Andy Reid, play design. And... You know, are we ever going to get to a point where we're going to have Mahomes and versus Andy Reid and who's like the bigger piece of it? And, oh, you yeah. know, like because right now it's we're already at a point, happened. It feels to me right now where we're at, and I haven't seen that yet. But I just I feel like it's a perfect marriage right now of Patrick Mahomes being able to pull the trigger on whatever he wants to do, and him just putting players in position to succeed. And you know, those examples are being highlighted. It's just you know, obviously we know what's talked about around here, but I, I don't know. So you said we're getting to that point. That's already? exactly why the world's going to tear them down. <laughs> you know. Oh, I think it's uh, it's been there for a long time i think andy reed was widely considered to be a bozo in philadelphia mm. and he could not he bungled the clock constantly with alex smith patrick mahomes is here he, he no longer is screwing up in the end of the game situations although i think you can make an argument that they were a little overly aggressive at the end from the 15 yard line i think you might have been better off running the ball on the second down play to maybe make it uh, i don't know third and five Instead of third and eight, right? I just don't. The whole dynasty thing. Like, I don't know why this bothers Patriots fans. I, I don't. And I, I, I just wish Fred was here and to I, listen to you. And I also don't know why people try to trigger Patriots fans with this. I like. I do. I because oh, yeah. I, I know. Oh, this well, I know why they know try why. to trigger Patriots I, oh, fans. Yeah. But Patriots fans trigger themselves. <laughs> okay, like <laughs> I'm gonna call him out. Ben Volan wrote. That was that absolutely headline. a trick. Like, line three. What are we doing, Ben? 
Like, Wait, okay. don't catch me up. So Ben Volan wrote an article right after the Super Bowl that said, "Sorry, Patriots fans, the Chiefs are a dynasty." And you know Sorry, how much he wrote Patriots about the pa- you know how much he wrote about the Chiefs dynasty. Like three sentences, right. right? And then it was like, of course, like it was totally it compare a, to twenty years. Like he it had was like totally intentional. Hedge, like I just don't know yeah. why this bothered. No one is. No one is saying that the Chiefs dynasty in air quotes is more impressive than yours. Nobody is saying that. Nobody is saying that it's equal. Like I don't understand why this is so triggering. Like nobody is sitting there saying the Chiefs di- are a dynasty that was better than your dynasty. It's just if they if you want to call it Chiefs dynasty, fine. But nobody's saying it's better than the Patriots. Nobody. I, I don't know why. You know why? Sheep, right? Lions and sheep. No, like that's I, where I go with this. I agree like, with you, but the the other the other fu- uh, fact is there is it it it's real. Like the Volan thing was real. Like he was completely trying to troll Patriots fans. But the other part of it is real, too. And this is a a, a tweet that came out. People will complain about all the overwrought Mahomes hype, but how many other quarterbacks that have ever played could complete two intermediate short yardage misdirection touchdowns (laughs) to wholly uncovered players schemed up open by his coaches? He's a wizard, and you're just going to have to live with it. Yeah, that's a bad one, too. You know who did that? (laughs) I don't want to know. Matt Chatham. Oh, oh well, yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, are you telling me? I could have guessed that, I suppose. As a former NFL player, and I use that term loosely because he played special teams, and we all know that doesn't count. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you're really you're going to tell me that you don't have respect for Patrick Mahomes' ability. You forfeit all right to talk about the game when yeah. you write something like that to me. And I know he's tongue-in-cheek, but that's his yeah. mentality. I, I, I've seen enough of his tweets over time to know that's what he thinks. The Patriots are the only team that does it right, and everybody else is a moron and, and, and lacks talent. Right? Like, how, like Evan said at the very beginning of the show, like, how mad did the Patriots fans used to get when everybody would say, Brady gets all the breaks? Yeah. Like, every time Brady needs a flag, yep. he gets it. Yep. And now you're doing the same thing. Right, right. And that's like if I've seen that that meme of Bill Vinovich with the Chiefs colors on his right. referee shirt, <clears throat> I've seen yeah. it like ten times. And I saw I saw a Chiefs fan tweet something exactly to that Paul, almost like apologizing to Patriots fans, being like, "It's always the calls. Everybody's out to get us. I get it now." And it's and it's like as a Patriots fan, what did you want back then? Just the people to tip the cap and say you guys are good. And that's just what you're doing with the Chiefs. Like to your point, how can you like? How can you enjoy football and not appreciate what kind of player Patrick Mahomes is? Like that's just to me, that's the pure joy of football. Well, seeing someone and, and that I would even go like just just think about how things change. So, the first time they went to the Super Bowl against San Francisco, he was a little erratic earlier in the game. He had a couple of picks. Then it gets to the fourth quarter. They're down ten, and he's unbelievable balls. Right? He's nails in the fourth quarter. The next time they go to the Super Bowl, he got his ass kicked for for the full sixty minutes. Very similar, in my opinion, to the Patriots against the Giants in 42 when Brady was completely under siege for the entire game. At the time, everybody said Mahomes had no shot. I mean, he was just getting killed. I mean, they were even showing some of the incomplete passes that he was throwing while, like, parallel. Don't get Patriots fans started on that. (laughs) No, 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 no. But this this is my point. We make – I'm listening to the radio this past week, and this was, like, a lot of different people saying – and if you remember, like, Mahomes really hasn't even played good when he's gotten there. 
I mean, the first time he kind of sucked in the first game, and then they came back late because Garoppolo missed that pass. I'm like, is that why they came back late, or did they scored 21 points in the fourth quarter? And I thought, by the way, playing bad early in the game, but being balls in the fourth quarter to bring your team from behind. I don't know, like Are maybe Brady that? did against Seattle, or Atlanta? you know, get you know, <laughs> throwing two touchdown passes in the fourth quarter after throwing a pick in the goal line earlier in the game. I, I always thought that that kind of carried more weight, like being the best when it matters most. I always thought that yeah. counted for more. Right. But not only he sucked in the game against San Francisco, he sucked against T- Tampa Bay, too. So I guess, he like, sucks. Brady sucked against the Giants in that game? Or, or Brady got his ass kicked for 60 minutes against the Giants? He sure did. Like, which is it? Yeah. And, th- and that's the part of it that I can't – if you can't be intellectually honest and say, yeah, I think the Patriots dynasty is better than everybody else's. Like, like Alex explained, like, the longevity of that run – is better than anything that's happened since. I think San Francisco's is is right on par with it. By the way, I mean I think they I think they won five from eighty one to ninety four. But this yeah. was bet the Patriots was better. They have six, so it's a little bit better. But you can't tell me that what the the Chiefs have done in the six years is comparable to what the Patriots did in the first six years of Brady's career. Right. It's almost the same. Right, and, and, and now you're at the point after this championship where you're not asking yourself, well, what's it going to look like when he doesn't have Tyreek Hill to throw to anymore? You know, I mean, it, it, I think this year I do wonder what it'll look like. With Kelsey, without Kelsey at no, some No, I wonder what it'll be like without Andy Reid. Andy yeah. Reid's 64. So I think, I, think, uh, Bill was, I think Bill was still in his 40s toward the end of the first part of the, you know, like at, this, at, the, at a similar stage. He's 70 now, so... Yeah, I mean, that kind of checks out. If he was, like, in his late 40s, early 50s, 52 maybe. Andy Reid's 64. How many more years he got? Plus, he eats cheeseburgers like Paul. I, If <laughs> I'm him, though, like, they they got – assuming that the enemy doesn't go anywhere and they have spags on the defensive side of the ball, like, he can just be kind of that over – he doesn't have to put in the, the man yeah. hours that maybe he, he once did because he's got some good lieutenants there to, to run the show for him on the details. But I, I just, again, I nobody is saying that the <laughs> Chiefs are better than you. Nobody has said that. And no that. one is saying Mahomes is better than Brady. No like, one. Like career. Right. They might say he has more skill than Brady, but no one's saying he's accomplished more than Brady. He it's, hasn't. It's driving me crazy. I want to crazy. talk about the third part of it, though. How much of this do you think is, is a little bit motivated by the fact that Andy Reid is – immensely likable guy generally i mean i know there's some issues but but generally he's a very likable guy and bill has just never been soft and fuzzy he's been a dick a lot of the times to the media and you know that's kind of his relationship yeah. that he's just quite you know like no i think I, that's true I, you know i think that that's just i think part he's of it, more people want to i think andy reed is more uh well liked around the league people, more people trying to go to bat for him and i don't know i think that's part of it too uh let's jump back to the phone but he gets a lot of static reed reed well, like the play calling because and people think people right? think that he he's a product of now he might be now, I look at he dragged Donovan McNabb yeah, to four straight conference titles and he's Alex Smith they were pretty good season, like every year with no matter who is I mean I yeah. know that they haven't been as good as Patrick Mahomes but no matter who his quarterback's been it's Alex Smith Donovan McNabb he's making the playoffs winning seasons so the way like, I look at it I think he's to, a pretty yeah. good coach especially yeah, to make an too. offense around Mahomes which just gives you so many opportunities to do different things and I mean it's he's, a perfect combination you know, of creativity yep. and, and ability let's jump back to the phones hey Mark from Bolton what's going on Mark Hey, guys. I know it's primarily a 
post-Super Bowl uh, call today, but I know that Evan had his first mock draft uh, last oh. week. Uh-oh. Sure and did. As a 54-year season ticket holder, I'm about. We should look forward. into doing mock drafts. You should maybe ask ask somebody if we've done those. Sorry, Mark. Go ahead. No, that's all right. No, I mean, like I was just saying, I'm a 54-year season ticket holder. I'm looking for for going forward and uh, getting the Chiefs when they come here next year, and you know, get some get some players to kick their ass. So. I mean, Evans, uh, you know, at 14, had Skaronski. He also had Josh down to 46. I think those are – I don't think we can do any better than either of those picks, which means that I don't know if they're going to actually happen. <laughs> um, but Right. But um, so uh, uh, another scenario I'd like to throw out there is um, if somehow one of the uh, top – if all four quarterbacks are there when the Pats come up at 14, like Anthony Richardson – we might be able to trade down with something like the Saints at 28. Um, so we could get 28 and 40, and then we'd also have to throw in our fourth-round pick, like number 116, to get to get uh, you know get those. So then you have 28, the 40, trade chart and 46. <laughs> and We're going from 14 to 28. We should be able to get a lot uh, for that. Two groups of receivers, the, the tough cover group, which I – don't dare call a slot because Paul will jump down my throat. No, why? Um, Wait, what? <laughs> just just <laughs> well, let him finish. Because I brought a slot receiver a couple of weeks ago and it's like, I'm so sick of this idea that all you need is a you know, fifth-round guy who's a three-cone drill. Oh, no, we got, yeah, that was me. We got we got that was, yeah, yeah, that was Deuce. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was my receiver. But no, but yeah, we, we get it. We get it. Charlie Jones, Purdue. Charlie Jones, there you go. The That's smaller the and less athletic, the better. Uh <laughs> Well, so anyway, there's there's three of those. There's Addison, you know, Smith and Jigba and Flowers, you know, and maybe one of those falls to a 28. If not, then one of the two home run hitters might fall to, uh, you know, Quentin Johnson or Jalen Hyatt. Um, I'm of the oh, Phil Perry's I'm guy. I'm of the tough cover. Which group. one? Quentin Johnson. Um, but then at 40, then you pick up one of your, though. you know, maybe left tackle, you know. Anton Harrison, Darnell Wright, Darwan Jones, project guys possibly. Um, to handle so, Mark, can I just backpedal back. real quick for Let's a second? This plane. Yeah, because yeah. I, I, that's, that's exactly what I was going to try to do. <laughs> what are we? Uh, what are we getting from New Orleans to go from fourteen to twenty-eight? Because that's a big that's a big drop. We should be able to get a significant amount of resources for that. So, well, what are we getting? They're number two, which is a great pick at number forty. Okay, we should get more than that, no? No. No, we don't. That's all the draft for 14 spots in the first round? All you get so, is 40? Uh, unfortunately, teams have gotten smarter about these trades. The Patriots used to swindle teams all the time like this, and that's when it trading down actually was shrewd because they would get future first-round picks for trading down. I would do it for that. Right, so they would trade down from, you know. Because 40 this year is is worth the first round next year. Right, so they would would get those future first-round picks. Unfortunately, now a lot of the the Jimmy Johnson draft chart that teams used to use to value picks, uh, we now have the nerds are making smarter ones of those. Rich Hill? And they are no longer valuing. (laughs) A blogger. Yeah. They're no longer (laughs) valuing. I like Rich um, Hill the pitcher better. The picks are no longer as valuable, right? Well, so, so you're yeah. not. I would take those. a first rounder in the future if you could get it. If it's just getting the number forty pick, I don't want the seventh tackle. 
at twenty eight. Yeah, I. Well, no, but you're getting you. Yep, no, you're getting number. You're getting there. Obviously, you're getting their number twenty eight plus forty. Um, yeah. Oh, so so for just adding a, the fortieth pick, I I I have holes to fill, and I have a good draft down. pick. I want to take a good player. Yeah. I don't want to hope well, that I get like the fifth tackle on the board. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm, I'm saying I'm saying well, I'm saying you're going to get one of your top needs, which is receiver, which is the primary receiver, whether it's going to be your, under your tough cover or one of your home run hitters. And then these tackles are not bums. I mean, these guys are looking like, you know, players that can come in and play or I mean, you 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 You've got Trent Jones for another year to, I mean, uh, what's his name? Uh, Trent Brown. Trent Brown to, you know, to cover the uh, left tackle, and you, you sign a right tackle in free agency. Um, these guys, and then you're getting an extra, you know, that extra pick allows you to go get a prospect. I mean, a high-end prospect. I think we need like a, like a Luke Musgrave for this modern-day tight end, and that's, you're getting total okay. offense. But you keep, you're using terms like high-end, and uh, you're going from 14 to 28 and 40. Like, that's a lesser yeah. end than I, I want to take. I want to take a better player at 14. Okay, well, I'm just telling you the reality that, okay, well, you're yeah. not going to get any more. Um, that, that's all I'm telling you. No, I, I think the value that's, no, no, I, that, that's fine. I'll still, I, 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 I like the 14th okay. pick. The trade down scenarios that, that you know, he just laid out. Like, yeah. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate there, it. There's some. There's some logic to it. I'm not going to sit here and completely dismiss it, but I just I always come back to with the draft with the Patriots. They are in a position where they need I call them blue chippers, whatever you want to call them. They need guys that are franchise players. They need pillars of this next team. I, I'm with you. Yeah. And if you're trading from 14 to 28 to draft a, a guy, you know, even if you do get somebody like Jackson Smith and Jigba or Zay Flowers and you get lucky that one of those guys falls in your lap later on in the first round, I, I, I just feel like you are taking that risk that, I'm sorry, I'm going to say it, that you're going to end up with another Cole Strange. And I like Cole Strange. I think he's a solid guard. You don't need solid guards right now. You need guys that are going to change the dynamic of your team, that are going to really be, you know, pillar players, blue chippers, franchise guys, whatever you want to call it. And you have this asset at 14 where I think that that's very attainable. And now all of a sudden you're trading down to go right back into the the yeah. good but not great range of the draft. It's as high as you picked since Ma- you took Mayo. I mean, this right. is the highest pick you've yeah. had. I, I'm with Evan, yeah. like, really lockstep yeah. on, on that whole mentality. No, me I don't, I mean, not necessarily the specific players or positions, but yeah. the mentality. Yeah. I think when you have holes on your roster, when you're a sub-500 team, you need an injection of talent. And, yes, Mark's trade could work out perfectly because you could move down and somehow get – the guy that you want anyway i think I hate, that you're rolling i, I think you're rolling mentality. the dice i, I think you're rolling mentality. the dice i think that this is exactly what's gotten them into this mess yes. to be honest with you is that they think okay they're the cute. guy the guy at 28 is the same player as the guy at 14 and that is just not accurate it's just not the and, truth and it's that whole mentality of well and i'm just using names here just so i'm not telling you where they're ranked because i don't know where they're all ranked but you know, Smith and Jigba and Zay Flowers doesn't matter. We could take either one of them. Right. I'm sorry. Like one someone's of evaluating better. talent, one of them's better than the other. Right. So We're I really can't just it. say, "Oh, I'd be happy with either one of them." So I'll wait till 28. Yeah. No, if I want one of those guys, and I'm not saying those 
I'm just using them as examples. Skaronsky and Johnson, you know, tackles. Yeah. No, one of them is better. So I want the better player. I don't want to just say, well, I'll probably get the other one at 28 if I wait. I want the guy that my talent evalu- evaluators think is the, the guy that's most ready to play at a high level. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think. And it's the Cole Strange thing is a perfect yeah. analogy. I mean, just looking at the board, the way that it was presented to uh, to them when Cole Str- when they were on the clock originally and they traded down for Cole Strange, I, I don't want to like play revisionist history all the time with the draft, but it's just you had guys on that board that had that type of talent and you took the guard. And I think you got what you like you paid for. I, like, I think the think. team, the offense last year, the team last year was a, a, a total microcosm of that was – draft night was taking Cole Strange in the first round and look at some of those Chiefs guys like they had like four rookies or something playing in the secondary and I know that McDuffie got beat deep I thought he was competitive as hell the whole game like even that play I don't think he got torched Mm -hmm. he just lost the ball um those that that was one of the guys that was in between where you traded down from to where you picked Quay Walker Devin Lloyd yeah and then you know I look at this draft, and at 14, there is. I, I, it might be too early for some of the wide receivers. The one thing I agree with the caller is that the wide receiver sweet spot is probably going to be I, in the 20s and 30s. Yeah, I'm with Mark on that, too. Right. I don't think any of these wide receivers are 20, top 20 picks this yeah, year. That's why I just said I'm just using names here. I'm not telling you the, the positions. Mm-hmm. I agree with Mark on that, yeah. that mentality of the wide Look yeah. at all the guys. Right. The A.J. Browns and the Terry McLaurins of the world. I mean, there's a million Debo, of Debo. Right. There's a million DK. really, really good wide receivers. The entire that 2019 draft. That weren't first-round picks. Ooh. That's what makes that draft hurt even more. It does. <laughs> I thought it was. You picked the only guy in that entire draft at that position that couldn't yeah. play. Right. Uh, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside also <laughs> couldn't play, to be fair. But I think Just so you know, the Patriots were interested in him. <laughs> I'm sure they were. The tackles in the corners, though, that they I, someone at 14 is going to be available at yeah. one of those two positions, whether it's the top three tackles or it's Joey Porter Jr. or Christian Gonzalez from uh, Oregon or whoever. Like Someone is going to be available at that spot that has that type of elite-level talent, measurables, athleticism, film, like the whole package. And you got to just get one of those guys at some point. Yeah, who's going to fall through the cracks? It's kind of similar to what we were thinking when we were at 15 with Mac. You know, it's just what's going to happen in the top 10? Who's going up to get quarterbacks? What are we going to be left with? It should push some of the value down. Uh, Let's jump back to the phones here. Willem and Phil, I'm sorry for making you hold on so long. William, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Um, How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. Okay. Um, I have so much, so many things I want to say. Jeez, man. Um, <laughs> I'll start just far as the draft, up, and I'll leave it at that. Uh, I, I see that uh, your boy, your buddy, and coworker uh, Alex did a um, did the draft and whatnot. A mock draft. Oh, he did. Yes. Who did he get? He he. Okay, so the 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 first pick is fine. I, I'm cool with that because I, I see everybody wants that uh, that tackle from Georgia, which is uh, Roger Jones. Right? Oh, Broderick I, Jones. I, I like yeah, that. I like, I, I like him. I like him. Not this happen. is where he lost me with the third pick, the third pick. He wants us drafting a five eight uh, a five eight wide receiver. Tank Dell. Okay, Tank Dell. I, he likes Tank yeah, Dell. Yeah, I, I know. Who, yeah, Tank Dell. So I I like Tank Dell too. But here's my pushback with that, um, Evan. All right, you have you have um, Marcus Jones. He's five eight two. Why do we we got enough short? You know, corner receiver, whatever. We need tall guys. You know, you, you understand what I'm saying? 
I think you need I think you need bigger than Tank Dell. I'm with you on that. When I was doing my mock draft, I, I ran into a similar thing where there he is. I I, I would originally was trying to look for a receiver in that third round for the third round pick, and I, I got to that right. spot. And I'm I'm looking at Tank Dell. I'm looking at Rasheed Rice from SMU. Who I don't really like to be honest with you, uh, and some other guys that are you know Xavier Hutchinson, Iowa State. And I'm just like I, I don't yeah. love any of these guys. Like they're all fine, but I don't love any of them. I think they're all complementary receivers at the next level. I don't think any of these guys are difference makers. And with Tank Dell, I think he has the difference making separation ability, but he's tiny, and I I just can't get on board with that 60 pounds so i ended up taking downs in the second round because he's just a little bit bigger he's 510 he's 180 like he's just a little bit bigger he's not this big dude but he's a little bit bigger i don't necessarily get caught up in i I don't think they need quentin johnson like i don't think they need a six foot four guy uh, but i I do think that because i'm just not sold that that's what's best to pair with mac jones like i just don't know you, what you're asking Mac Jones to then do is feed a number one receiver who lives outside the numbers, vertically down the field and outside the numbers. I, I just don't know if that's what's best for the quarterback. I I, I said it to Deuce off the air. This is going to be my take for the draft. They need to get back offensively to winning in the middle of the field. Slot receiver position, tight ends, because that's what the quarterback does best. If you want him to be chucking bombs, like I just don't – we saw what that looked like at times this year when they became more vertical and he's turned the ball over like crazy and it just wasn't efficient at all. I, I want to get back to the middle of the field. That's where I want to dominate. Okay, so so tell me, so give me, all right, so then tell me, who is it that you want then? Like just well, give me a, I am going to release okay, some wide receiver <laughs> rankings later in the week that you all can read on Patriots.com. I'll give you some names. Just no, just one. Just give me one name that you that you want for us to have, for the Patriots to have. Just one. My my crush of the draft, my hundred and ten percent crush. Oh God. Jackson Smith and Jigba from Ohio State is my guy. That's a really good player. Yeah. That's but my you, guy. You just said he was like a Cole Strange pick, didn't you? Jackson Smith and Jigba? No. That's no. taking a like the fifth or sixth tackle at twenty eight would be kind of like uh, Cole Strange. Jason is and I understand that they're all trying to hype him up he's going good, into though. the draft. He, he's, no, he's good. Though. But he's I believe good, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave when they say that he was the best out of the three of them. Ooh. And I think that that's yeah. – that I think there's some truth to that. And I, I know that uh, – I always forget who their wide receivers coaches at Ohio State, but he's one of the better ones in, in football at any level. And mm-hmm. he's said that he thinks that JSN's the best out of all of them. Now, Marvin Harrison Jr. was on that team as a freshman, so I don't know if – their opinions would now change, but they said that he, that JSN in that wide receiver room with Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, and Marvin Harrison Jr. that the best one out of the four was J- Jackson Smith and Jigba. So I, I'm taking him all day long. He'll catch 120 passes in the slot from Mac Jones if Mac Jones gets to where we hope he can get to, and, and they'll be back to Wes Welker, Julian Edelman, like they'll be back to that type of offense. Yeah. Thanks, I, William. I agree. I totally agree with you. Thanks, man. I'm going to let you go. And I'm out your way, okay? Um, So uh, the caller that just called before then, he's saying we trade from 14 to, what, 28? Yeah, it was like a trade down and and get, you know, an equivalent player who, you know, on most boards might actually be the fifth tackle, whereas, you know, for them, they they see no difference between, you know, taking somebody like Broderick Jones in the top half of the draft. Right, but – 
But Deuce, I mean, Deuce, don't you think that seems like a Bill Belich- the Bill Belichick situation he did last time? Oh yeah, Instead no, that's of, what we're saying. Okay, we're against. We want talent on the board. That's yeah, a premium pick. You take what's on the board. Why are you moving? To, and and no. in the Patriots situation right now, we don't need to be moving all across the damn board like it's like it's chess. We don't need that right now. You, you know what I'm saying? But, um, we need talent. I don't, yep. get, I don't want to say too much. I'm already. Right. No, <laughs> that, that's that's I'll a good good call. <laughs> thanks good calls. for thanks a lot for of calling in. I'm gonna I'm gonna let Evan have a second. That's here the best part, though. Like to me about the whole situation. I and I part of the mailbag this week, and people were doing these kinds of things. Like yeah. you know, should they do this or that? I think that's what's going to make it an exciting off season. They have a lot of work to do, and I know that's daunting. But there's a lot of work that's going to happen. It's there's going to be a lot of you know yeah. player acquisitions and. I think there's going to be trade markets open. I think they have some cap space. They don't have a, a you know a crap ton, but they have plenty to do work. You can trade for players. You can add players in free agency, and you have 11 draft picks. So, Paul, who do you think uh, Evan Evan said that thing about tall outside receiver that set up the bat signal? Somebody's calling in, ready to argue. <laughs> Big E, <laughs> Big E, come on down. What's going on, Eldred? How are you? Hey, fellas, how y'all doing? Evan, <laughs> we, we talked the other time. Heck no. I'm tired of the middle of the field, short wide receivers tying in. You know what I mean? Because he did throw deep when he was at Alabama. He had Williams. He had uh, Michi. He had Smith. He, he did throw deep. So he can throw deep. But in all, college. You know, y'all in keep the thinking SEC. Like, I'm not hard enough. Excuse me. You, you're thinking that uh, he's like DK Metcalf, like I said before. He's more than a one-trick pony. He's more than outside the number. He can run inside, run, he run old route three. But he got speed. Johnson. And like I said on the other show, oh, I mean, I mean uh, Patriots TV catch four passes, 156 yards, and a touchdown. Huh? Last year. Who's that? Wait, say it again. How many guys we got on, on the field that could catch, like, like uh, he was using a Quentin Johnson, like, where he only did just in a championship game, four for 156 and a touchdown. I don't see that happening on the Patriots. 156 you know, yards and four catches? Yes. Yet. So he, yeah, he's a big play guy. That's what he is. <laughs> TCU. <laughs> Absolutely. He's a chunk Texas. play guy. And I I, I will push chunk back play? a little bit with the, the full route tree. I'm not I'm not sure I'm with you on that. He's a big play receiver. There's no doubt about that. I just don't think that Mac Jones and that type of – we actually saw – and I listen, I get it was with lesser talent maybe potentially than a guy like Quentin Johnston. Yeah, yeah. But first month of last season, they tried to be a vertical offense. They tried to throw the football down the field, and he turned it over like crazy. Yeah. I, I just don't yeah. think he yeah. has the – What do you think of JSNE? Yeah, they're doing some slow, uh, slow guys running down the field. Ain't no fast one down the field. Trying to go deep through the slow guy. But then again – I'd rather see them use that 14 on a corner. I hate to say this, <laughs> but I'd rather see them use it on a corner, a real man-to-man corner. And, uh, Evan, I like that third-round pick you got, that 6'3 guy corner. I like him, too. Big boy. Julius yeah. Brents. That's, you got that's one. one of my you guys. Go. You got one. Good job. I, look, yeah. I – Thanks, Eldridge. There's a great argument. Like, Quentin Johnson's a good prospect. Like, I'm not trying to sit here and say he can't play. I just can't. don't think he's going to be good for you. I, I, I don't think they've ever taken that player – and turned him into a good, productive draft pick. They've never done it. They've taken, he's Nikhil Harry, Chad Jackson, Aaron Dobson. It's the same guy. And they've never developed that player. And and I understand Bill O'Brien's back, and I think the offense is going to be better and all those types of things. But Bill O'Brien was here when, you know, when those things were going on too, like the first time. 
And they still is he's not like some wide receiver whisperer that's going to come in and fix the receiver. Sure, the offense is going to look much better schematically and be coached up a lot better, but they've never taken Quinton Johnson's skill set and turned that into what his potential could possibly be in the NFL. They've never done it. I've seen them take slot guys and turn those guys into Pro Bowl All-Pro ta- type of players. So if you take a guy like Jackson Smith and Jigba and you put him in Bill O'Brien's offense, catch 120 balls. <laughs> yeah, like, like that—that's that's the idea. And I just until I see it, until they take a guy like Quentin Johnston in the draft at the top of the draft and turn him into an, an actual stud in the NFL, I'm not going to be convinced that they would do it. I just say I feel similarly. I was a little surprised that 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 was the direction Phil went with him. I, you know, I respect Phil's takes. Uh, Paul, yeah. anything? No. I, I think at some point their offense needs to evolve. That's all. Like, I, I think Evan's right. Like, I, I remember all those guys, too. At some point, like, they need to figure out a way like, to move the ball without just throwing it eight yards over the middle. So, like, post-Mac Jones evolving. Yeah. Like, I think that he might catch 120 balls. Now, that's a lot of catches, obviously. But how many plays is he making with those? Like, Stephon Diggs catches 120 balls too, but I think we could argue that now now Smith and Jigba could be that dynamic kind of guy in the slot who's averaging like 13 a catch as opposed to nine. Yeah, like there's a big difference there. I know it doesn't seem like a big difference, but that is a big difference if you're making those kinds of plays. If they can have a big play slot receiver, then I don't care if he winds up in. This is why I push back on Mark. I don't want to talk about. I don't have anything against a slot receiver. I have something against the Patriots offense has to have a slot receiver like mentality. No, they need good players. I don't care where they line up and how they right. produce well, if they produce. I mean, and Bob went to Houston and produced with DeAndre Hopkins as the number one guy and who is not a true Correct. slot by any means. I, Stephon Diggs, not to obviously everybody would love to have Stephon Diggs, but to me the the number one thing that they need at that position is separation and and i think it's at first the first and second level like i think the the vertical separation with the quarterback that you currently have is not a fit like it's just not a fit for the quarterback i don't want mac jones to lead the league in deep pass attempts like i don't want that to oh, be I, something yeah, that i, I would talking, talking about like next year where we're halfway through the year like we were in the first month last year where he was throwing the ball 20 yards down the field at like 25 percent of the time yeah. and it was too it much didn't work taking notes on what you're saying right there he's on the tv behind us uh let's head out i believe this is henderson nevada robert thanks for holding on what's going on raider country hi there hi uh so i just had a question i just kind of thought of it randomly but i um bill belichick do you think he's ever going to win another super bowl with the patriots and how much longer do you think he has and how long do you think it'll take before the patriots get back to that level of play gotcha let's uh let's debate how long how much longer you think bill's got a few more years three i'm gonna say three i, I think that's what he wants yeah if he makes it it's I gonna be know. really hard i mean i you know look I, don't, I know what we're all searching for and we all want the patriots to win the super bowl again but i mean just given what we've seen and where they're at and the direction they went this year unless it's a huge turnaround yeah. this year like it's it's hard and to say. Yes, he will definitely win a Super Bowl within yeah. the next three. And years. I try not to to get into those because I think in that league you can turn it around so fast. Like you have a, yeah. a like a really good off season and you know a couple of things fall into place. I mean, who saw? Like I think everybody knew that Philadelphia had some talent, but who saw Jalen Hurts doing what he did this year? 
Yeah. And I'm not telling you this is what Mac Jones is going to do next year, but who saw Jalen Hurts turning into an MVP candidate? I didn't see I him didn't. in Philly a couple of summers ago. I mean, I thought he could be good. I thought he was a good runner. and he, I mean, Largely, that's what he is, but he turned into a pretty good passer too. And if Mac Jones gets Bill O'Brien, like Evan was talking about, and the offense gets fixed, quote-unquote, why can't they go from eight wins to 11 wins? Sure. And you go, f- you get eleven wins, and I think you're a threat. Now, if you squeak into the playoffs, not, you know, nine or ten wins, you know, you're probably wild card fodder. But if you win eleven or twelve, I think you're in the mix. Yeah, th- getting past that. They point. take the draft seriously, then they can be an eleven, twelve win team. I, I, I just mean, think you can turn it around in that league so quickly because the cap is so easily manipulated. Free agency is open to everybody. Like, back in the day, you had no way to get players. If you didn't have them, there was only one way to acquire them, through the draft. No one traded anybody, and no one had free agency, like in the 70s. If you didn't have something, you were screwed. That's what I'm waiting for is who, who's the disgruntled wide receiver that we find out around the combine wants out of whatever situation. Right, and, and it's not, going to happen. And not not DeAndre Hopkins. Like, not the guys that, that are obvious because there's no one saw Tyree Kill or A.J. Brown getting traded. Like, that, those both came out of Stunning absolutely moves. nowhere. Stunning so, moves. who's the guy that comes out of nowhere that all of a sudden is unhappy with the situation and wants out? That, that to me, is they are now in a position, the Patriots, that they need to be ultra-aggressive for that player. Uh, if somebody of that caliber moves this offseason, then they should be squarely in the mix. And the only reason why they should lose out on that player is if they somehow get grossly outbid. But with the 14th pick in the draft, like if you're trading a first-round pick, that's a pretty good first-round pick to trade. I don't know if a lot of teams in the top 10 are trading first-round picks for wide receivers because they're not just a wide receiver away at, at this point. Not that the Patriots are, but, you know, you catch my drift. So I think that's a so, pretty good asset. So Deuce would not only not be interested in trading the first-round pick for, for T. Higgins, he, he's not interested in just sw- switching spots with oh. Cincinnati in the first round for T. Higgins. Well, I mean, uh, to my— To which I would say— is Cincinnati on crack? All they want is just to switch spots in the first <laughs> round to get to give up T. Higgins. I don't know if they're trading T. Higgins. I, I, no, not, I don't think they I'm are totally either. Right? I, I, I've, so I'm buying into some of the narratives out of Cincinnati since they lost two weeks ago. Yeah, like I think they feel like they're pretty close. I think they like it. Uh, what, what they have going, and they're going to ride it out. I thought yeah. I thought I saw Higgins say something that I've talked to Burrow about how he wants to structure his deal to keep everybody together. Like those, are I didn't even see that, but yeah, that's would be if, another. Yeah, I think that'd be another factor. It was either that. Chase or Higgins who said that, but they they both kind of mentioned that Burrow was going to try to be as team friendly as he possibly could with the contract, so they could keep everybody together. But like just in a, in <laughs> in a vacuum, so like, you know, so we've been talking about T Higgins six. for so long. <laughs> they bring it up to do on, on EEI, and it was yeah. posed to him yeah. if Cincinnati was interested in saying, you know, swapping, you know, going from, you know, you know, uh, you, you you'd go from whatever, you take yeah. their first, you switch yeah. spots, switch first round picks for T Higgins. Would you do that? <laughs> Michael's no, no. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was like, <laughs> you, you wouldn't drop ten <laughs> spots in the draft for T Higgins. All right. Well, I didn't hear that part of the question where they they actually said the compensation. I would. I mean, sorry, maybe thirteen yeah, spots. No, whatever. My, but my response was, and it was kind of what Evan's saying, the same kind of thing is that saying I think T Higgins is a little bit more of that outside guy. I don't. I'd rather just you know. And part of it was just trying to make some radio fodder too, because I know that was what Andy had written. Yeah, because everybody up, is so but. convinced. 
like, and I agree no. with Evan saying I don't want Mac Jones leading the league in deep throws. I don't want that. <laughs> but he he can be very productive on the outside. Yeah. And it doesn't have to like it. It doesn't have to be a slot receiver. Let's it doesn't have to be five yard throws all day. Let's hop back to the phones. Uh, Rashad in Baltimore. Hey, Rashad, how are you? Hey, what's up? What's up? I, I had a. I just had a, a few things about the draft with Evan. All right, Evan. Um, I'm. I'm. I'm not going. I'm not going to say. I'm not going to say who the rave. I mean, who the um, who the Patriots should pick at uh, pick fourteen. But the 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 two players that I like. I like the cornerback from Maryland, Deontay Banks. He's six two. I saw a few games in Maryland. Uh, he looked he, he looked solid, and I feel like I, I mean we definitely need another corner. I know John Jones. He's not a number one corner, but he I mean he's he's a solid corner. He's a solid slot corner. So I think we should keep him. I don't know what they're going to pay him, but I think we should keep him. But we definitely should add another corner. And wide receiver, my guy Jordan Addison. I'm I'm going to keep pushing for him. Every time He's I excellent. call, yeah. Nah, yeah. The, the the dream is to see him in a Patriots uniform, uh, you know, getting passed from Mac Jones because yeah. I, I think I think he's next up. I think he's gonna be, I think he's gonna be a superstar. I, I love Jordan Addison too. Yeah, I, I think Jordan Thanks Addison is. Um, he, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba is my guy, but I would have Jordan Addison number two on my wish list. Uh, he's uh, Devontae Smith. He re- he's really close to that type of player. Uh, can. Could do it all. I, I love him too. Um, the uh, Maryland corner. I actually just—I don't know much about. Players. I actually just watched him yesterday um, because he's been moving up the the big boards and everything like that into the top fifty and creeping up. And uh, he—I watched him against Ohio State, and he was like the only guy uh, in that Maryland secondary that looked like he belonged on the field with Ohio State's receivers. And he's a really physical corner at the line of scrimmage, like press man get in your face and he had a, a jam on one of their receivers it wasn't marvin harrison jr uh, but it was one of their other guys where the guy couldn't even get off the line of scrimmage because he just jammed him so hard that he was just held up completely at the line of scrimmage really physical big outside corner like exactly what they could need i i, I have some hesitations uh, you know stiffness and long speed and things like that that's why i like brent's from kansas state because he's really loose you know he's a fluid guy at that size but uh, i liked what i saw from banks i was really impressed i think that's the hard thing is as we get into the draft is, is you have those three tackles you know tackles in need three guys who are all good top left tackle prospects but you don't know if you're going to even get a shot at those three and i mean i think you were right with skaronsky but it's you know and then you have addison and smith and but like a little bit lower so you're a little bit in that void of like you, you know you don't really want to trade down to your earlier point but at the same time it's it's just we know what we need is there a guy that fits right there perfectly i don't know it's 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 not easy to to to, to just size it that's up that's why and, oh, i don't completely guy. dismiss the trade down scenarios oh i wouldn't dismiss because it either. because i do think that you could be stuck in a place where you don't want to be which is that pocket of we missed out on all the real premier talent yeah. but we're not we're too early for some of these secondary guys that we like i, I think that there's a possibility uh, that that happens and if that does happen then you have to entertain a trade down scenario at that point uh one more little bit of patriot news i forgot to mention which came out with peter king yesterday it's was peter that king. it sounds like the patriots and Kansas City are going to play back-to-back weeks in early November in Germany, in presumably Frankfurt, I believe. So that was report from Peter King. So it looks like we'll be heading there uh, out to Germany. I don't know if we'll be, but hopefully, maybe. But um, gotta get my passport. There were the Chiefs as well. We should get on and that then sooner rather. The Chiefs will be here too. So that. yeah, that's like, the only like thing is week. the Chiefs <laughs> will not be the opponent because I know there's been some confusion about that. Yep. We had an Ask PFW this week. The Chiefs are also hosting a game in Germany, but it will not be. 
the Patriots involved. Both the Patriots and the Chiefs will be hosting separate games in Germany. A lot of people got confused about that. Yeah. I was confused for a minute. But then it said back-to-back weeks, and I'm like, well, that's going to be two different games then, of course. But they will be here. So we'll get a chance to see how the Patriots uh, match up. Uh, checking in with the emails here. Um, Jack in Anaba. Uh, the offensive tackle the Patriots might want may not be available at the 14th pick. In that case, the Pats should pick a game wrecker, a defensive line linebacker, or wide receiver. Uh, the point is the Pats should select a game changer with the 14th pick. I think we're all on board with that. I think just the question is if it's not a receiver, a cornerback, or a tackle, what you know, what position might they surprise you with? Seen a lot of uh, was it Brian Branch from from Alabama who is yeah. like just looks like one of their strong safety Kyle Duggar types, but. How many times can you draft that guy? Like, how many strong safeties and box safeties do you need? Especially at that where you're just—it just feels redundant. And Paul hits this point all the time. Like, does it make you better? Like, does that move? Like, it maybe makes you a little bit better than Kyle Duggar if you really believe that somebody like that is better. But just like moves like that, I'm like, hit the positions you need. Yeah, I—I I mean, positions are kind of interesting to talk about in the first in the first round. You know, like. Um, What's uh? Why am I blanking on Baltimore, Notre Dame, Kyle Hamilton? Yep. Yes. Okay. Um, pretty well-rounded guy. You know, was a yep. pretty well thought of prospect. Even him, like, I think he's pretty good. Kind of took him half a season to kind of get settled in, and 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 make an impact. Now that's a pretty good defense that you know, and and Baltimore, you know, is it, it, probably not the the easiest transition, but I think he was pretty good coming out of Notre Dame. And he was right around that time, if I'm not mistaken. It's probably we're 14. I mean, I don't know exactly what he was taking, but probably in between the 12, like 12 to 16 range. He dropped he probably after went. the combine because he didn't run as yeah. fast as people thought. So I, I just think that sometimes those positions can be tricky. And there have been a handful of safeties taken pretty high. And I can't really remember a lot of them being home runs. I'm I think Derwin's probably the only one. Derwin James, been. obviously. Home yeah, run. and I think Brian Branch is the – he's that type of guy, not Derwin good but just yeah. he's more of that Kyle Duggar than he is Devin McCourty now I don't hate the idea of them trying to build it like Jordan Poirier and Micah Hyde where you have two interchangeable safeties especially in the day and age of disguise and all that kind of stuff where now all of a sudden you have which one's back which one's for like you don't know and they're kind of basically the same guy but it, if one of them can't play true center field yeah, then it really takes away from that set, that disguising because then you you're kind of putting a a guy in a in a bad spot by putting him in the middle of the field so those two guys are rare because they can both play center field that you, you have to have a little bit of that in your game to be truly interchangeable. Any thoughts on the defensive front guys? Like, I mean, the, the Clemson guys? So I, I watched a guy from Texas Tech, uh, Tyree Wilson, mm-hmm. yesterday, who is 6'6", 280 defensive end that is as powerful of, his, of a prospect on the defensive line. Like, this guy collapses the pocket. Like, that's his whole thing. He's long. He's heavy-handed, a super powerful guy. I could see them loving him just because of the versatility. He can stand up. He can play with his hand in the dirt on the end of the line. Uh, he's a true strong side edge player, too. Like, not a Judon or an Uche who wants to come off the backside. Like, he can play that uh, that combination of the tight end and the, and the tackle and things like that really well. Uh, so maybe you go that direction. It's not a great off-ball linebacker class. You're not really getting into off-ball linebackers until you get more into the 20s and into day two. Um, but a couple of the guys up front, like they could use one though, in, an, an in off-ball guy, second, second, third rounder. Yeah, there's a couple of them. You know, I think 
the guy from Oregon, uh, Noah Sewell, is kind of like an on and off type of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he can play a little bit of both, but I, I've seen him sort of be in the late 20s. Is he or, related to the tackle? Yeah. Yep. They're brothers? Are they brothers? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I'm yep. bad with that kind of stuff. Well, just yep. because he went to yep. Oregon. I wouldn't yeah. just say, oh, he's Sewell. Is he related? You know, yeah. But he's kind of that Kyle Van Noy, Dante Hightower hybrid type of player. I'm not saying he plays exactly like those two, but can play on and off the line. So I think that there's some front seven guys that will uh, be they'll be interested in uh, in the draft. Henry Tootoo from Alabama. Just whenever there's a good front seven player from Alabama, you got to put him on the list. He's another one of those types of guys. Toto Toto. Yeah, yeah, no, but that's th- this is all to me. Uh, uh, I think you're it's getting into day two a little bit. Sorry, my my apologies. I think I it's two apostrophes actually yeah, in his I think name. He's right. <laughs> uh, here's an email from Dan in Lynchburg. I like this idea. Uh, what about Cooper Cup? Uh, he'll turn 30 in June. He signed through 2026, about 14.3 million per year. Rams are 15 million over the cap heading in the offseason. May have to make some tough personnel <gasps> decisions. How will they get under the cap? Cooper? Could we take Cooper? I'd take Cooper. And then we can bring, you know, prime Randy Moss back from retirement. Come on. It's his birthday. I, everybody would take Cooper Cup. Of course. Because he's wicked awesome. Uh, I like this. I guess though, the Rams are going to say that from, too. <laughs> yeah. From Scott in New Jersey is, I mean, this is a good question. I think to, to Evan's point, like, why can't we trade up? Like, what you know, like, I mean, and I don't even care. He's his point is like trade up from 14 to go up and, you know, actually oh, get Paris Especially Johnson. if this is true that. The prices aren't as exorbitant as they picks. once were. Like, let's get the 2012 draft. We always hold that up as like the the grand, you know. Hey, this is what we had to do. You know, get a couple picks. Take take 14. Trade back up. Take somebody else in the 20s and get you know that talent. If those I quarterbacks mean, end up, you know, going off the board. Like, if you end up, I mean, we know Stroud and, and Young, but like, if it ends up with like Richardson and Levis and some of these other guys that maybe was there five first round picks? Who's the one I'm missing? Those four are the consensus. What if those guys end up going in the top ten? I know that's a stretch, but but still, like all of a sudden, there's two or three players that you didn't expect to be available at at eleven that are available. Maybe you love one of them. Yeah, go get them. I wish. I mean, just to get Not back up and, and to you know, like just the aggressive the aggressive draft mentality. I thought it was back in you know when they took Mac in in twenty twenty one. I need to see the. I step back. I off. actually do, could care less about the on-field workouts for the tackles, but the measurements I think matters a little bit to me. In, in this one with Broderick Jones and Skaronsky, Skaronsky's arm length is a big concern. Uh, some reports out there say that he only has 32-inch arms, which is guard. Like you had, like you, know, there's very few tackles that make it under 33. That's like sort of the threshold um, for franchise tackles. Uh, then there's uh, Broderick Jones, who's al- also kind of undersized for tackle it's not like full isaiah win i know people are going to make that comparison because of georgia but he's six four you know 300 right like he's not this one of these big prototypes paris johnson from ohio state's the prototype that guy's going to be six six three three ten you know great length great athleticism that's the left tackle and you know made in a lab so let me ask you so skaronsky you're there you they let you hold the tape measure it's 32.5 what would you do would you take him off your would you take him off your board can I call Dante and ask him? <laughs> like, no, it's I wouldn't. A half an inch. I, <laughs> it's a great. I, I wouldn't take him off the board because he is he's he's one of those guys that, and I'm not like saying Football this to, to to toot anybody's horn, my own horn, but like. When I started watching him, I was like, this is the guy that everybody's saying is a locked top 15 pick. But then once you get into the film with him, you're like, oh, my goodness, this guy doesn't make a mistake. He's never in the wrong place. He, it, you know, They're th- sending blitzes, sim pressures at him, and he's picking up the guy that he needs to pick up every single time. He's always – he's just so 
technically and fundamentally sound uh, that I, I don't know if like an, an inch being off of his arms is really gonna gonna make a difference because he's got it between the ears and he's got great feet so I, I don't know I, I I don't really I'm not a big arm length guy like I, I'm not like oh we got to take this guy off the board but obviously it's it's football but and your you know, boy was definitely not a big uh, arm length guy because Dante used to ah, that's right. all, that stuff is way and he didn't say stuff is way overrated right um and I know Evan's right because we just went through this with Win. Yeah, he was a little shorter and his arms were a little shorter, and he didn't work out. Right, but Matt Light was kind of in that boat. A lot of people thought he was a guard. So I think Skaronski is going to measure out more like Matt Light than Isaiah Win. Well, they both. I think if I, I, I Isaiah, you can look this up. I think they had similar size arms. They did, uh, but Matt Light was a little bit taller, like length, like actually not biceps. <laughs> Like, actually, height-wise was a little bit taller. They didn't get their swole on, Alex. <laughs> if you just clip, like, the, like Evan's last, like, four sentences on, it's the most bizarre radio. You, don't want, you want every half inch you can get. It, it's I'm really not a big uh, arm-length guy, feet, uh, between I, his ears. Isaiah Wynn was, is an undersized offensive lineman. Like, no matter yeah. where you put him, right. he's undersized. That's That was the problem with him. I think people are going to get caught up in that. But, like... Skaronsky's 6'5", 315. He's not undersized. Every, he's just got shorter arms. Like, it's just a little nitpicky thing about him. It's not like Isaiah Wynn was short with short arms, and he was yeah. underweight. Like, now, it, it was, he was he, small. Did he play the left side? Skaronsky, yes. Yeah. So, like, would that maybe translate to a switch to the right side if – I, I think that could. becomes I, a concern. I would leave him at left tackle until he fails. Like, if he fails at left tackle, then we can start talking about flipping or moving him inside. But everything I've read about tackle. him is like, I mean, that. he's been so good at left tackle. Sign McGlinchey and draft try. him. Yeah, and that's an uh, one And then you'll let Trent Brown go. Bye bye. Uh, all right, last question here, Alan Texas. I thought this was a good, uh, good little wrap up. Now that the season is over, what are your feelings on this past NFL season? It felt to me the product on field was not that good. I watched the NFL all season long and look forward to it every year. The majority of games were just not that good, in my opinion. The other area that seemed really bad was officiating. Do y'all feel the same? Goodell doesn't feel the same. It's as good. As I, it's I mean, I largely do feel the same, and and I try not to be the get off my lawn guy. I really try. I just feel like it. it I feel like this almost every year recently like the the caliber of the games doesn't consistently stack up now there are i I thought the super bowl did yeah super bowl was terrific um you know i think back to last year with that kansas city buffalo that whole division around weekend you know the san francisco dallas game the kansas city buffalo game those were great games cincinnati um would they be was it tennessee in the division around the last field goal yeah, I mean, there was like Baltimore. four. There, there were like four I games that went down to a like a, the last play of the game. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I think there are times that the the, the the game is is better. I thought, I thought Kansas City and Philadelphia. I would put Buffalo and Cincinnati in there, and San Francisco in there. Those were the five best teams yeah. in football. Yeah. And you had two of them playing in the championship. Like maybe it wasn't a great year for the league in general, and I would certainly agree with the officiating. I would push back a little on yeah. Dodge. <laughs> um, but I I, th- I thought they were the best teams, and that was a good representation. I agree with what you said. I think for me, just like I, I had such high expectations for so many of the moves, especially in the AFC West, a lot of the teams that, that made those moves, that, that didn't really pan out. And at the yeah. end of the day, it was still just kind of the same teams you knew. Baltimore was in it when Lamar was healthy, and you know otherwise it, it was kind of predictable. I don't uh, know. They um, signed Todd Munkin t- uh, today for their offensive coordinator, by the way. So it would be interesting to see what he can do with Lamar, assuming – 
Lamar stays. Lamar's back. That's the biggest takeaway for me, you know, just to pit offense, like and and how it's schemed and to sit what we sat through with the Patriots and then to watch some of these teams that were in the playoffs, you know, Andy Reid and and the Philly staff and uh, I I think that they have really evolved offense like to sit to the point where some of these like motion things that they're using and stuff like that it's just how defenses are going to start to build in like checks and things like that to combat some of these things is going to be really fascinating because some of the crazy things that they're doing now with you know your eyes and the motions coming here but then it's coming back over there it's like there's so much going on pre-snap and in the first kind of steps of the play uh, that defenses are going to have to figure out a way to start checking some of these things and passing them off or doing something different uh, to combat some of those different things that teams are doing. So it's, it's exciting to watch these teams on film and how, how they are able to scheme guys open and things like that makes you, you wish that that, that happened more right here you wish you do wish <laughs> uh all right that's gonna do it for us well, i thought you had a closing email that you had open oh no that was my that was it I oh, okay yeah, yeah so that'll good. do it for good us good job today. by yeah. you giving them a all little right. extra not like thanks. fred shortchanging i know i don't, I don't like good job I like to, mike i like to keep it going thanks everybody for tuning in send us emails calling in uh we'll be back on thursday same deal and uh don't forget to turn in, tune into the playbook tomorrow step inside step in step inside the playbook 12 to 2 with john rook and evan Thank you for downloading this podcast. Subscribe on Apple, Google Play, and everywhere else you listen. Like the show? Please rate and review us. Listener comments and ratings help keep us high in the podcast rankings so new listeners can find us. Be sure to check Patriots.com for more news and more podcasts. The world's original podcast.